Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Harmony, and I am so excited to introduce our very special guest today, Barry Silver. He is a yogi, uh, artist. He produces some psychedelic collage type art, always uh, integrating really interesting themes, often spiritual in nature and quite funny sometimes. I know you're just going to love meeting Barry and um, we're going to talk about his new project, the Nuesto Tarot Deck that he right now is uh, crowdfunding through Kickstarter. Uh, it's an amazing project, it's a 78 card tarot deck. Um, everything is you know, custom made, original. You're not gonna find another deck like this and it's going to be an absolute work of art. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful project. It's called the Nuestro Tarot, which is Spanish for our tarot. And although there are many images of Barry himself integrated within the deck, there's also other people who have inspired him and served as influences for his work. And the tarot is, you know, it speaks to our universal collective consciousness. Um, there's many subconscious mythological uh, figures and it's a journey to uh, explore our own unconscious mind even through the use of these types of um, objects of divination so uh, you know Barry has so many stories he has such a unique um, life journey living in New York City born in Brooklyn and traveling and living in Tokyo and now traveling throughout Mexico. Uh, it's going to be a really rich interview that I know you are just going to love. And also um, the fundraiser for the three and a half acres um, Ashtanga Yoga Trauma Relief um, is going on right now. And just a reminder that if you are one of the largest donors. You will actually get to take home your very own tarot deck designed by Barry Silver, as well as receive a six-month premium membership to Ohm Stars and receive Lara Land's Bliss Book. Um, there's still time to donate and to join all of the classes. Um, there's lots of classes coming up this week. You can still practice with Adam Keen and David Swenson, Alexandra Santos, um, Sham Ranganath, Greg Nardi, Donna Noble. So lots of things coming up. And again, I will also be teaching a fundraiser class for this special charity organization on Sunday. December 19th, which you are welcome to join. And, and also there will still be all the chanting and, and many other classes. So uh, check it out on my website in my bio links. And you can also uh, donate to uh, Barry Silver's Kickstarter campaign. There is only a few days left, the last day to reach our uh, bonus goal or our stretch goal is December 11th. So be sure you check out his deck online and, um, you know, make your pledge today. And there's so many amazing add-ons. You can get your own tarot reading from him. Um, you can get your own face in one of the 
cards. There's all kinds of different amazing add-ons that you can um, put into your pledge. So uh, let's meet that stretch goal. There's only one week left to do it. And um, I know you're just going to be so pleased with the outcome of this project. I have supported Barry in several of his other projects and they're always amazing. And I just love his work so much. So without further ado, uh, here's Barry Silver. Warning. The following program contains scenes with coarse language and nudity. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Harmony. I'm here with Russell K. Happy Hanukkah, everybody. Oh, it's Hanukkah. That's it's, right. It's Happy a Hanukkah. Hanukkah season. Uh, Hanukkah episode. Hanukkah episode <laughs> with Barry Silver. Hey, Barry, how you doing? Hey, guys, I'm doing well. Happy Hanukkah to you and all your listeners. Thank you. Yeah. When was the last time you identified as Jewish, Barry? Um, um, this morning, a few seconds ago, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. No, no, there's, there's no escaping it. No, it's I've, with you all the time. I, I've surrendered into my Judaism. Oh my God. Yeah. Fantastic. My family denies my Judaism like every time I bring it up. It's like, you're yeah, not a Jew. It, like, it's I, a, it's uh, a thing. I was born Jewish. Fuck. No. <laughs> it's, a, it's a thing. Even in Mexico. Even is that, in Mexico. Is that where you are today? You're in Mexico? I, I, I'm in Mexico City right now. Why are you Mexico why City. are you in I, I I don't know where you've been all over the joint for yeah, like, I, I, like I a move, decade I move around now. a lot. I move around a lot. Yeah. Why um, are you in Mexico? I'm I'm working on a new art project and I'm uh, print, printing and producing it here in Mexico between Mexico City uh, and Oaxaca. Is wow. this so. your tarot project? That's where you're you're producing it? This is the Tower Project. I have a printer uh, in Oaxaca that I did a journal project with last year who I just adore. And so he's doing the printing down there and all the fabrication of the book, the box, the um, embellishing of the cards is happening a little bit outside uh, Mexico City. All like small family-run businesses, people who I know who I've worked with before, like really uh, artisanal project. Oh, I, so I went to a wedding in Oaxaca. Amazing cheese, but also like incredibly... <laughs> gorgeous and beautiful are you going to be able to make it down there no i'll be yeah i'll be back and forth so i'll be heading oh, down there soon yeah it's actually it's, it's easy it's a quick flight and you can even drive it's like a six hour drive from mexico city it's and brilliant is, there no, Oaxaca's, uh it's, it's charming charming city yeah. Wow. Yeah. I saw your journal project too. I was in Palm Desert where I was a couple of weeks ago. I, my host, Melody, who's also a good friend of mine, she had your journal and we were looking at it because I was telling her about your tarot cards and she was like, oh, I should order some. I have his journal. Oh, right on. <laughs> yeah, right it's on. very cool. Yeah. That, that, uh, actually, like Ashtanga in Mysore was a huge, that was the beginning of that, all those journals. My first, oh, yeah. my first trip to Mysore, I think it was 2001. And I took a blank journal with me. I thought I'd be. I wanted to do some writing, and the next thing I knew, I was just anything I found, just cutting and pasting, and cutting photographs and pictures of gods and napkins yeah. and matchbooks. And I did that for like ten or twelve years, filling those books. I have a whole collection of those journals. It's really, I remember uh, those journals. my times and those. Yeah, those, those were the those yeah. are some some good days. Yeah, yeah. Was that like the beginning of your foray into art? Those journals. Yes, it was. It was. I, really, I never went to art school. I, I had never. I, 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 yeah, yeah, it was. It was. And it became like, I mean, such a huge part of my life. So cathartic. And, uh, and at that time, it was just my hobby. I mean, I just did it yeah. for pleasure and, and to, to, to really capture and, and chronicle the, the experiences I was having. And then uh, it's been the last few years that I've been focusing full time on my art. 
I thought you, you you were building altars at that time. Was that before the, I, I was, the Charles I, I, Raffer? I, I, I was. So, so, so I suppose I should say um, more like visual and graphic art. That was the beginning of that. Right. Before that, I had been doing some carpentry work. I kind of worked with some friends doing home improvement in Brooklyn. Then I was working for a couple of years. My, actually, when I first started doing Ashtanga, when I first was practicing at Eddie's in New York, I did two years stint working um, with the Metropolitan Opera as a scenic design carpenter in the prop department. And that's where I really started to learn how to like do some more craft style stuff. Yeah. And so I wanted to into, I'm always trying. It was for me, there's always like, there's so many polarized parts of myself. There's always like, there's always this, this trying to integrate these different, different aspects of myself. So I was like, okay, I want to do carpentry, but I still want to do something around the world of spirit. And so I started building altars and I, I took a feng shui class I, I I was running around. I was in New York. I was running around at the time, teaching at Eddie's, teaching privates, and building altars. And I had like a knapsack with shorts, a yoga mat, a yoga block, a drill, my my tools. And I'd be running from job to job and thing to thing. And it actually was not so sustainable. But I did I did make some nice altars. I have to say something now that I think about it. That was really an entry point because Eddie knew that I did carpentry right. and it was 2001. Patavi Joyce was coming to New York to teach a workshop and Eddie was, um, had just, was, they were doing something, they were going to do the Prana Pratishta. They were going to do yeah. the installation, uh, the activation of the Ganesh temple. And there right. was something askew in the temple and Eddie asked me if I could fix, do some last minute work on the marble. And next thing you know, I built a tea stall, I built the bookshelves and that's how Eddie and I became friends. And that's why Eddie asked me to teach with him and assist him. There was there were students in that school who were much more qualified than I was, but we became friends over that. So right. really now that I think, that, actually it's not the first time I'm thinking about it, but that, that, <laughs> that it's interesting how that skill set yeah. And that experience was really the entryway and why I started teaching yeah. or why Eddie asked me to start teaching with him, which was really like, I mean, uh, life changing, really. It, it was, it was, uh, yeah. <laughs> I had, I had seen amazing. your altars in New York and like your collage journals, I was, I was floored by them and they were amazing, but also like, like, like you, they were idiosyncratic. They weren't just generic altars. Like there was like, oh, there's a bariness to this thing. A <laughs> bariness. Yeah, I like, I, like. I like to put I like to put my my, my touch on things. I have a, um, I'm kind of a bit of a hack, actually. Like I'm I'm not like th th this project I'm doing now is probably like the most like really working on like straight edges and fine details, and that's also why Eddie liked my style. It looked like India. I, right. I never mm -hmm. had like in my carpentry there was never a straight edge. <laughs> no, <laughs> nothing, nothing met up. And I use and I like to implement different different elements. I was doing um, ceramic tiles, gold leafing, hand painting, all sorts wow. of like patina stuff. And so yeah. like my this kind of like patinaed, screwy, like screwed up, imperfect style kind of suited them. And I like to think when I make things, I do infuse them with with I make them with good intention and with spirit. And I think that kind of that 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 shows. It does yeah, show totally. Yeah, can yeah, I yeah. can I just give for our listeners, um, especially for for um, Martha in Florida. <laughs> I want to give an intro uh, to Barry, just so everyone knows um, who we're talking to. Uh, if you don't mind, Barry. Please do. Born and I, raised. I'd like, I'd like to know who you're talking to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Today we're finding Someday, Barry. Soon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Born and raised in New York City, Barry Silver is a self-taught artist, spiritual seeker, and world traveler. After years in the music and nightlife scene, he discovered yoga and meditation. By 1999, Barry began teaching kundalini yoga, and in 2002, ashtanga yoga, 
which led to regularly traveling India for practice study and to help lead groups on yatras, uh, spiritual pilgrimages. His artistic vision was heavily shaped by this period of which much was chronicled in the collage journals he kept from 2002-2010. Founder of the GBSK apparel brand, Barry recently crafted a tarot deck Kickstarter that this broadcast contributed to. Yeah, just, we're, we're big fans. <laughs> Arigato gozaimasu. Yeah, that's right. So a, a recurring theme on this show um, from probably all the folks that we, we talked to, like Spiros or Lisa Shrimp, is this, um, is this notion of punk and cool in our community, like this, this handcrafted, gnarly, handmade Ashtanga community has a lot to do, I think, with the punk community. And I just wanted to know if that resonated for you, because to me, you always embodied that New York punk cool, like you oozed cool. And it's, you know, fucking intimidating for a Midwesterner, you know. So I just want to know if, if you if you were aware of that, of that punk scene and that Ashtanga was somehow enmeshed in it or. No doubt. I have to, in the intro that the, the, my, my, the bio, the, the years, the timing is a little bit off on the, the, the years. Oh. It was really, so I started, it was Kundalini in like 98 and Ashtanga in 2001. I think I'm only saying those dates because it, it segues into this. Um, hmm. I got like the first few yoga paths I got into. First, I was doing meditation for a few years with uh, with Guru Mai and City Yoga. Then I got deep into Kundalini, and and they were years like those were my transition years from like New York nightlife. What went from like shiny happy disco, like really went dark in the early '90s, like really dark wow. in the New York scene. And that's why I dipped out. I left New York. I went upstate. Um, I got sober and started practicing meditation and Kundalini. So at those times, like I chose really austere, kind of like pure, mm -hmm. kind of not, certainly not fluffy, certainly not fluffy, but pure paths. And um, when I came to Ashtanga, there was certainly like, I mean, there is a punkness to it. No, there's like mm. a rawness. And I think we also know there's kind of a bit of an underlying aggression or not so underlying aggression mm -hmm. to it. And also my introduction to it was in downtown New York. It was with Eddie Stern, who literally is like comes from a punk background. I wasn't yeah. so involved in the punk music scene. Um, um, I was a little bit more, a little bit more disco and ska, um, <laughs> but, but the punk scene was around me. But there's certainly like and that that aspect, and we'll wrap around to that later for better or worse. Ashtanga was certainly cool, and we, yeah. we we and we felt. But here's the thing, also, I mean, it was cool, but we also felt like we were the cool kids. Yeah. So, you know, which also means we felt like everybody else's yoga was kind of fluffy and soft and we're doing yeah. the real yoga and we're the cool kids and almost the, like you can't sit with us. So right. it comes, it's a double edged kind of thing. So it's it certainly at that. But at that time, I did. I mean, we did feel pretty damn cool. And I will say this also showing up in Mysore. Um, especially once I started teaching with Eddie, like there was a certain cachet around that, that, that I kind of like, I might've, I cut my, my kind of road out, uh, you know, used to, to <laughs> use to my advantage in some ways. Yeah. So, so, so no doubt, like the, the especially the, the, the New York Ashtanga scene certainly had like a, a, a punk feel to it. Yeah. One of the fucking wildest things I'd ever heard was that like Eddie Stern was teaching Lou Reed while he was dying and how to like go through like the whole dying process with him with Ashtanga yoga. I mean, that just like, could there be anything more cool than that? 
um, th- th- that that whole Eddie and that school kind of oozed with cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Back then, I mean, it was it was kind of like the uh, celebrity days of Ashtanga Yoga. Mm-hmm. I won't right. do too much name dropping, but like on any given day, any yeah. given day, that school was filled with like celebrity. Right. And uh, mm-hmm. and that could be intimidating as well. And also like and you know with, with Eddie's relationship, I I wasn't in New York when Eddie was teaching uh, Lou Reed, um, but um, I mean w- what a gift, you know, to be able to to use yeah. uh, um, what we have and to use yoga to, to guide people through whatever they're going through in life, especially the, the Mysore um, style, the the, the, yeah. the the repetitive daily practice, the relationships that are made, and and it's just. Uh, really an homage to the, the, the potential beauty of, 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 of teaching and right. practicing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Amazing. Yeah. One of the, the, I've, I think I've talked in the show before about like the major psychotic episode I had on acid um, in the nineties. And um, my brother had a Laurie Anderson poster on the wall while I was like in the, the throes of a satanic bad trip. And she was like this, this uh, Hellenic, angel that helped me help me through the whole period of god horror. bless her <laughs> uh, so how did you what was the what was the the trigger for you or the 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 guide to get you from these austere practices into ashtanga yoga how did you walk oh, to the door no, like, who, straight, who no, got straight, you there? straight up straight up so at the time <laughs> i was in kundalini yoga i was married to a, a, another kundalini yoga teacher so I, actually oh my, my, my the first yoga class i ever took was a kundalini yoga class i knew within 10 minutes i need to practice this i need to teach and share this with other people and who's right. that woman teaching the class i need to meet her six right. months later i had a beard a turban i changed my name we're engaged we got married fully immersed in the kundalini yoga world she started practicing Ashtanga yoga. Oh. And she's like, oh my God, you have to try this. But at that time, I was already like dog paddling so much in the relationship to keep up. And right. she, already had, she had already had, like she had a foundation in, in a Kundalini before I came in. And I was like, I, no, I can't. Like, actually, I was like, I'm really happy in my practices right now. I'm not looking for something else. Also, especially something that you already have a head start on. Really, right. was, no, really, I'm sure that was part yeah. of it. But I, I was, I had become like Ashtanga curious. And when we'd split up like a half a year later, one of the first things I did was reach out to somebody. And she was practicing it at um, Jiva Mukti with Russell Kai. Right. And so I asked somebody, I said, can you, can, I want to practice, can you, it was in Ashtanga Yoga School, but not Jiva Mukti. And they said, oh, this guy, Eddie's got a place at that time. He was down on Houston Street. And I went down there. Oh, we had such a bumpy start, such a bumpy start. Um, Tell and us. We, yeah. Well, actually, actually, the, the the first class I went to, Manju was was teaching. Oh, wow. and, oh yeah. And so I and Manju, I was just like, I went. I had a little sheet of paper with the with the drawings, the John Scott paper, and I yeah. put it down next to my mat, and I did a little bit of practice. And he said, "Come back tomorrow." And I came back tomorrow, and then there's this other guy running the class, this like yeah. you know, bald bald gringo, and. <laughs> And I, I'm thinking, I'm imagining like, oh, you know, the, I imagine the Indian guy, it's his school. And yeah, then yeah. Eddie comes up to me, he takes my piece of paper away, which I couldn't practice. I didn't know the sequence at that time. And he goes, we don't use that here. And I'm like, the other guy. Oh, oh okay. The <laughs> other guy. And he goes, um, and whatever it is, it's like $150 a month. And I was like, I didn't bring cash with me. The other guy said it was okay. And he goes, um, no, come back tomorrow and bring money. And I was like, who the? Fuck is this guy? 
and and I really and I came and I came back and 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 he just you know he was he was he was I was going to say he was Eddie you know yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a little um uh she was kind of showing me who's school who's the boss yeah, and yeah. um and so it was it was an interesting start but um like like most words like Duke and Suka sometimes things that start off so pleasant and terribly become sweet that uh, it started off a little bumpy but I I I stuck with it he saw my perseverance and 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 I brought the money and yeah. um and then uh, you know the love affair began yeah, <laughs> that's amazing, and I'm glad I did. I mean, I, I mean, I, I we, we can't I can't talk about Ashtanga Yoga without talking about Eddie. I mean, he I, absolutely I really he um I I learned so much from him, so much not just but, not just about not just about yoga. Um, no, he's an extraordinary guy. We were I was really fortunate. The Lord willing, he's going to be our next interview. We're working on dates. <laughs> we're, we're we're trying to get it. I, I yeah. want to go back to the the Kundalini part. Um, yeah, <laughs> I I felt like it, when we were like having lunch every day together at Janaki's in Mysore, you may have told me that they they at some point they revealed to you that you were like a reincarnated saint and that you were the next holy Bhagwan. You, uh, ma- you are making that shit up. No, <laughs> no you're they I, revealed I, I, it no, to you. I'll, I'll say no, no, honestly, <laughs> I, I, I um. I that was that I, that did not happen. But, huh. No, that did not. I I I, I don't I, either. I was. I no. I don't lie. I don't tell stories. I, my yeah, life yeah. is color, my life is colorful enough. I don't need to make shit up. Yeah. Um, but, but what I will say, the, the thing that's coming to mind that it might have been is um at that time my 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 wife was a woman of color and I was this kind of like so we were kind of like this cool couple. And the, there wasn't a very big sangam in New York. The New York, the, the East Coast, the Stang, uh, excuse me, Kundalini scene was not so big. And so they had kind of, maybe they had seen us as like a couple of the future. And, uh, and like we yeah. were kind of cool and stylish. I like dressed really, I mean, even in Kundalini with my kurtas, like, you know, I dressed stylish. <laughs> and so I think maybe they projected on us in that New York scene, like we, we, we could mm. be like a, a, like a nice, um, uh, um, like the cover cover couple right. of, uh, of of Kundalini, but um, no, I I I, I don't know. Russell, I don't know. Maybe I, I, I obviously I wasn't meant to. Be, I wasn't was meant it? to be because I, six months later, I shaved my beard and took off my turban. I thought that the, I thought somehow you had been picked as like a, as the new Bhagwan. I don't know. The new no, no, I, I, I I made that up. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, but was, I like that. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> was um. Was who's the guru of the Kundalini Yoga Bhajan? Yogi Bhajan. Yogi Bhajan. Was, he was alive at the time, right? No, he he was. I was. No. Not, I, I I I always. I have to say this. I'm like, not, not just in in yoga, but in in much of life. I've been super fortunate that any scene I step into within like 24 hours, I'm at the epicenter. Like never on the fringes, and mm. um, I was fortunate when I got it. My first meditation practice was city yoga and i was up in south fallsburg around guru mai um when i did kundalini yoga within like the first six months i was in espanola doing white tantric yoga and um i did the the summer solstice and then did the it was called the master's touch course and i think that might have been the last one that yogi bhajan attended and even at that time his his uh health was already declining and but he was he was still present i have to say like you know all these all these guys nowadays there's you know there's not such good press around them but i I, I will say that i will say this just my own personal experience regardless of all that other stuff um that guy was a wizard i had i'd been around quite a few people i i hadn't 
experienced anything like being in his presence. What, what I experienced like uh, kind of a powerful being. So I'll say wow. that. Um, wow. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was, that was wild. Um, so yeah, Kundalini. And it was great. Yeah. Actually, so, I, I learned to be a yogi during Kundalini. I, I, yeah. I learned how to, I learned how to eat. I learned how to, how to practice. I, I like all that. I really, it was like, it literally it was, it was boot camp. It was like spiritual right. boot camp for me. Before that, yeah. I really, I, I did, I didn't know uh, that much. Hmm. When yeah. I first got my first gig uh, teaching any any kind of yoga, it was in Texas in Austin, and it was at a Kundalini place called Yoga Yoga, uh-huh. and it was two people, Matab and his wife Gurukaram. I don't know if you possibly knew them, but Matab had the largest comic book collection in Texas at one point. So it was interesting guys. I can never really get over practicing Ashtanga Yoga on like a thick white bearskin rug. That was the hardest part. (laughs) 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 Were were your parents like you? Were were one of them more like you than the other? Were like, they're just like electric and always getting into the center of things? Um, They they had, upon reflection, like as a kid, you always think like your parents aren't very cool. Um, (laughs) At least mom, you know, they, 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 um, I mean, my mother and father were born in Brooklyn. They were married and they're young to my mother. They had three kids by the time they were 25. They were wow. like, they had nothing and, and at that time. And um, they, they were I'd say, extraordinary, extraordinarily beautiful people. And it, mm-hmm. it took me, it did, not until I was in my adult life that I realized like, you know, in all my things that I didn't think they were so cool. I didn't think they were spiritual, all this stuff. But I, I will say like, without all the, the without all the, the, the pomp and circumstance, they, they didn't need all the other stuff around them mm-hmm. but they truly were spiritual people in the sense of like the highest sense how kind they were how accepting they were how mm. they loved me regardless of all the crazy stuff i did like the highest highest yeah. levels of yoga what we're trying to do maybe they couldn't touch their toes or chant mantras but yeah. they're beautiful people my mother my father passed about six years ago my mother like her attitude is just she's so funny she everything she's <laughs> yeah. just like the best attitude around things so um so in that sense they they're just like awesome human beings but mm-hmm. they didn't they weren't like social animals they didn't my, my dad had a bad leg so they couldn't travel so much so that that quite wasn't their thing like i'm trying i'm comparing them to me like you know you're saying with well, at the epicenter and all this stuff so not necessarily that path that path was their paths were different um, their yoga was was the, was being a homemaker. I mean, and, yeah. and 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 they did a pretty damn good job of it. I read a Facebook post, I think, by your mom six years ago. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase it. I don't uh, know if yeah. it's real. Yeah. Um, we've been married 45 years. If I had killed him then, I'd just be getting out now. <laughs> And like, I think she said it was their 45th wedding anniversary. She said something like, uh, she said something like, I could have killed him 20 years ago. I would have been out of prison by now. Yeah, that's right. That's, and that, right. That, that's, that's my mother. My mother kind of has a, has a sardonic sense of humor. Yeah. 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 They had that you. kind of like Seinfeldy sense of humor. Yeah. Around, yeah. Especially my mom always like, they did pick at each other, but there was some, you know, it's Brooklyn style. You know, it's like you can say, like, you can make those kind of jokes around your family or friends. Friends, but if anybody yeah. else said it, like, right, it. yeah, forget about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was um, I, I had a follow up question to that. I'm sorry. Uh, did growing up, I, I had heard we were in Japan one day with you and I <clears throat> and uh, Tarek Tommy, and Tarek was talking to us about like I was talking about how my parents had been arrested, and Tarek was talking about how 
the FBI had broken into his house because he was a, 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 an internet hacker. And then you said at that time you were just like jacking cars in Bed-Stuy. And I, I don't know if you remember that that day or not, but what I wanted to know is like, can you see in that kid who is a tough Brooklyn kid, can you see who you are then? Like, this is a guy that's going to end up being a spiritual seeker and a pure artist. Interesting question. Um, back then, I mean, my, the main, uh, <laughs> what would have mattered to me most when I was a kid in my teenage years was just kind of being cool and fitting in. And, mm-hmm. and I did hang out. I mean, there was, there was a very, very, very real, rough, tough, criminal element around where I grew up and the people that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. And um, I participated in it to a degree. When I look back now, um, I certainly always was a, a seeker and experientialist in mm-hmm. life. Um, it took me a few more years to um, kind of get away, uh, escape from that crew and that lifestyle. Um, it was getting more and more dangerous. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that time, I don't know. I, I mean, I, if I, I, I could kind of grasp and sit, like see moments of, of I mean, there was a creativity around that lifestyle, that, uh, kind of a, 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 a thinking in the, the criminal mindset. Like, sure. So, yeah. Okay, so I'll, I'll give a story, right? So, <laughs> like, so the, way it, the way it worked back then, like, you know, there was a thing, it was a lot of car. It wasn't carjacking, by the way. Carjacking is a different thing. A carjacking is like when you, somebody's driving the car and they go up. Oh, 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 oh yeah. No, okay. that was that, that 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 wasn't happening back then. They were they were straight up car thieves. There was okay. a few other a few <laughs> other kind of like scams and things going on around in the neighborhood. Um, okay, but not that. I also will say this at the time, no drugs. The older guys in our neighborhood, like that, was not their thing. So it was other like kind of like scammy kind of stuff. But right. car, car, car theft was a big part of it. And so it's like, like you talk about the creativity of the criminal mind, right? So they needed like the, 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 if a car went into the an auto part, uh, repair, collision place for repair, instead of buying the parts new from the, from the dealer, they would be like, okay, I need a front fender, right side <laughs> door and hard top roof from a 1972 Mercedes-Benz SL, red if you can find it. So there was one car that they found, the same car that they wanted to steal, but it was the summertime. And so those Mercedes-Benz, you could take the hard top off and then it's a convertible, right? So the convertible top was up because it was the summer. They went with a box cutter and cut the whole roof up. And then the next day they came back and the guy had to put the hard top on because the roof was cut. And then they stole the whole car. Oh, really smart right so that kind of creativity existed yeah. now I, I, so I mean, also like i'm just now i'm just telling war stories and yeah. kind of grasping but the, the truth was at that time um like maybe the, i have the same the same that was like that my ex- need for experience and and wildness existed but um i did not view myself then as an as an artist or as a person of spirit to be honest although although i when i did started using substances back then and some of the other things i was doing Mm -hmm. i realized now that i was seeking something i just didn't have the guidance right yeah yeah it's interesting that i think that often substances 
are sort of that, like you're trying to understand like why you're here and who you are and, and what's beyond this, like, like, are we just born and then living this useless, meaningless life and then dying? Like what the fuck's going on? Right. No doubt. And so it sort of becomes this search for something meaningful or to find meaning within a life that you feel is a little bit, you know, empty in a way. And then that, you know, and, and even like the spiritual practices then is like another thing, right. That, that takes us to seeking something beyond that. That's nice. There's a lot, a lot of, a lot of tools available to us. Yeah. (laughs) And and it's, no, it's also very, very slippery. Very, yeah. you know, yeah. like the, the, the mix yeah. of those things. At that, at that time, my use of substances and um, love of nightlife and partying um, just kind of like really dictated. It was a huge part of my life. Huge part yeah. of my life. Yeah. yeah, so fun. I mean, New York in the eighties, nineties, early two thousands. I mean, ridiculous. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Ridiculous. So fun. But it's it's also it's like also there's not just like trying to understand things, but it's also like just trying to feel things as well. If you feel dead inside, you think, well, maybe if I do that, I'll actually feel connected. Mm. And that, that, that's, that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. I say, huh. I'm saying that no doubt. I suddenly like, it's not something I say. Maybe it's, <laughs> maybe I'm thinking of your Canadian vibes or something. I don't know what's <laughs> happening. No, yeah. it sounded, just sounded like that's something you probably said in like 1988 to me. I was like, oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, right on. speaking, of that, <laughs> speaking of that, speaking of that connection, and that's really what art making became for me was like just trying to not just feel things, but like also like, okay, I've got all this this resentment and rage inside me and I'm not allowed to express it. The I can release that on the piece of paper and that's effective. And so when I was when I was looking at your work the first time. I think what what every artist feels when they see good work is, oh, fuck, I wish I'd done that. (laughs) And so there's like this sense of like competition and jealousy, but also like, oh, that's so good. I really, this guy's got it all together. And and so when I was, uh, I was in Bangalore in an airport with you and Gene Cho, and we were waiting for our flight to get out of India, going to New York. And you brought out your journals and you showed them to us and they were just, they were so pure and they were so textural and they were, they were just like someone who was completely connected to who he was in the work. And I'm like, you had even taken like your authorization, I think, and, and ripped it up and, and, and collaged it in. And it was just like, who has the balls to even do that? (laughs) I was really, I was really impressed. And again, intimidated. Oh, uh, well, th- thank you. Um, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm I'm happy to intimidate you. And, uh, uh, I, I will make an admission. The the uh, the the authorization was it was a photocopy. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't the original. Um, and uh, no, th- thank you for that. It's been. Um, I mean, what what a tool. What what a tool it's been for my my own personal healing and expression. Uh, especially the, the collaging kind of mirrors mm. my, my mind, all the kind of like fractured thoughts coming in and, uh, and to be able to like try to make aesthetic sense of that and piece it together and, 
and tell a story. I really, I, 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 I don't know where it came from. I, I don't, I'm so, no, I, I'm sorry. Hey, let's bring mom and dad back into it. My father was a printer. And my father had a printing oh. shop, an offset printer in Brooklyn. And as a kid, I would go in there and I was always fascinated by watching all that stuff. And it wasn't until a couple of years in, I was like, oh my God, I become my dad. Like this is, yeah. like, I'm, I'm yeah. making, I'm making books. Yeah. And, right. Um, so I guess, I guess it's in the blood and, uh, no, but I, cool. I really, um, will get more back then. And it's really, it, it's, um, and it's, 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 it was a gift from the yoga, from the traveling, then being in India, the aesthetic mind blowing experience of being in India and right. trying to translate all that. And then mm -hmm. spent seven years in Japan and how that affected my, my design style. And, uh, and now, I mean, we could, I will get to it at some point, but I mean, now it's my main thing. I'm really, I haven't, I haven't taught in the last few years and, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm a full-time artist and it, it, it uh, and it, it's it's like it saved my soul. It's, it's mm. such a form of uh, expression. I do a lot of self-portrait stuff, and uh, such a great way to express myself and mm -hmm. heal and just have fun. I mean, that's the best yeah. part of it. I, I, I'm my biggest fan. I really like. I <laughs> I, 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 I do. I say I I, really, I enjoy it so much. I love what I make so much. I look at the style. I don't know how it came. To, actually, I do know how it came to me. That the style, especially what I'm doing right now, I was like, holy shit! I'm making stuff that I love, like old 1970s, 80s album art. This, like, yeah. I, I just love it. Like this psychedelic style, and it's like shit. Like really, I, 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 yeah. I, no, it's, it's, I'm so, I'm so, feel so blessed and fortunate to, to do what I always, I mean, I have no choice but to do what I love. Like I'm unemployable. I dropped out of high school. I really, I, what am I going to go do? Really? Right. I know it's, it's a funny thing, but it's, it's scary sometimes. Yeah. You yeah. Know? It's like I have this thing when, <laughs> you know, I, I actually, I, I stopped, I took a, I, I thought I was taking like a pause from teaching. I had an experience about six years ago where I just, so my whole relationship with yoga and yoga teaching and the Ashtanga world, like my whole thing, like my world got turned upside down and mm -hmm. I hadn't taught since that, that, that night, that experience. Well, fuck it. I'll say it. I was in Mexico. after like 21 years of sobriety. I did a plant medicine ceremony mm -hmm. okay. and, and I saw at my whole relationship with my, with physical pain, with my ego based yoga practice, mm -hmm. my need to teach my, my, please my teachers the show I was putting on for the students, the whole thing, like I saw it like, holy shit. Like it was like, Barry, great job. 21 years of like daily disciplined practice. I said, it was like wrapped so tight. Yeah. Like the austerity and the discipline had like, just be, it was just like wrapped so tight. It was like, great job. Time for something new. Whoa. And it was like the next morning, like, what like the what the fuck like my whole identity was wrapped around that everything yeah. i was was the sober yoga teacher my identity my community my creativity my income and i was like what do i do now and i just i was in mexico and i really just kind of sat with it and i just figured it'll come back around maybe i just need to take a break and then my dad had died like three months later yeah and i was like really spun i was really spun and i was like let me take a year off let me go try some things 20 years every penny and every free moment i had went to india Right. Yeah. I'm like, let me try some different things. Like, let me go to Europe. Let me go to South America, Central America, spend time with intentional communities, try some different practices, experience some different things. I always thought like the teaching will come back around. Like I'm talking, <laughs> how could it not? How could right. it not? You know, 20 and a, years. Year passed, a year passed, 
two years past. And I, I'm living completely nomadic, no base, living out we of a bed. We could tell, yeah. And, and, <laughs> like, where's and, Mary? Uh, <laughs> and I was, I was moving around a lot. It was, it was amazing. And uh, first year was amazing. Second year was more amazing. Third year, I'm like, okay, like, what's going on? I got to, going to try to figure something out. By the fourth year, like, the wheels completely fell off. And yeah. it's like, all right, dude, like you've lost the plot. You're not teaching. <laughs> you don't have a job. You don't have any money. Like you need to figure something out. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go back to America. I'm going to take 90 days. I'm like, that was, at that time, that was like a long time. Like 90 <laughs> days, no nothing, no substances, no travel, no sex, no traveling more than 90 miles an hour. Like let's get, let's be a yogi again. Let's, <laughs> let's show myself, not that being a yogi means not having sex, but I mean, I need to show myself fast, that I had, yeah. that I could do this. Exactly. Like I have this discipline. I could do it. So I thought every two, three months, I went to Venice Beach, California, stayed with an old friend from New York. And after that three months, I was like, you know, I don't feel like going anywhere. It's just kind of nice to be in one place. And then COVID came and, and I just, I didn't like, I just hunkered down and ended up being in Venice for two years. And just, I actually don't, I mean, LA lifestyle is nice. And I had some friends, but I couldn't really find community there. It's really not my thing. I just kind of like shut everything else out and put everything into the art. And I'm like, I guess that's what I went there for. It was both ground down and like rebrand. I guess you're not teaching anymore. What <laughs> the only thing you else, the only thing else you know how to do is make art, like yeah. create a brand, like do projects. And so the last two years in Venice, like that's what I did. I just put my head down. I did that pandemic project. I print, I yeah. um, produced the journal collages last year. And yeah. now the most ambitious one, this tarot project. And, and I, th- those years traveling, like it was not easy. The first couple of years, the shame and guilt around not teaching anymore, the lifestyle choices I had made. Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. I'm in the middle of Burning Man with like my face painted in a calf can, like in a state of like ecstasis. And then I look down and be like, what are you doing? (laughs) Everyone's laughing at you. Your teachers are laughing at you, students, your family. What are you doing with yourself? And it really was, it's been a journey of healing. And it's what this time, the art, it was the art that Mm -hmm. I've been able to like, put all these pieces together and make sense of all these pieces. And especially this tarot project, I've been calling this in for five years. Like how do Uh. I integrate all these crazy polarized, like I do everything to the extreme. Yeah. And, and, and like, how do I integrate all this stuff? And it was this tarot project that finally I've been calling in some vehicle to make sense of what's going on. And, and it was perfect perfect you know i like like everything else I, I, I put myself into the deck and it started mm-hmm. to tell my story in the deck so i mean like super example of like real art and creativity healing and integrating and also give me something to share a vehicle with which to like you know to do readings and talk about spirit spiritual life mythology trying to make sense yes. of like this mystery of life of what's going on and it took me like a few years. It was when I finally let go of the, the identity of it. I just kept thinking, how am I going to teach? What am I going to use as a vehicle as teaching? Should I give lectures or storytelling? And one day he's like, you know, dude, maybe you're not a teacher anymore. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, wow. maybe you need to just like let go of that. And, yeah. and that was like a, uh, 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 you know? Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, the hangman. I'm going to say exactly. I'm going to say something else. Because like, I've always, I, I think about this often as, as, as people in the world of spirit. Who, who have a desire to share, to heal others, to, you know, you know, you, you, in, in you, you know that you have some ability, some desire. If I could just, if you could just get that, get with the person in a space where you could open it up and there's possibly something to share with them. Um, you know, I know some people, for example, like some acupuncturists who like, you know, they'll put the needles in the spots that they learned in school, but I know some people who are just wizards. 
and mm-hmm. they and they're they're acupuncturists and yeah. so like we need a vehicle right how do you hang out a shingle like what guess what i do is really intangible how exactly. do i say how do i say that so like so so to have a vehicle whatever that vehicle is to just like yeah. get that person in in the space to be in that space with that person and yeah. and and so and it was interesting at, at the time i don't think i even realized that as much when i was teaching ashtanga on re, upon reflection it was certainly happening like mm-hmm. to be in the room and to be in that space you don't even you just need to show up like the, the yoga and that space itself does the work and it yeah. didn't need to be all about me i'm healing them and i'm right. teaching them like we were just mm-hmm. there to, you know just show up and hold the space to to some degree i mean but also mm-hmm. showing up a lot um, yeah. and, but so I feel that so when I'm, I'm referring to like, like the tarot project for me, like it finally, like something with which I can share with people. And, you know, I don't necessarily have to like, I'm, I guess I have nothing to teach anymore. Really. I I've come, there's a, I, I've, I've, one of the things that always kind of troubled me, especially on the yoga world, but a lot of stuff is like, do what I did and you'll get what I got. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like I stood on one leg facing east and chanted this mantra yeah. for 80 days and I got this. If you do it, you'll get that. And yeah. I feel like especially nowadays, there's so much coming at us and so many different offerings and practices and rituals. Like everybody needs to find their way. Mm-hmm. What works for you and like what mm-hmm. worked for me last year doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they're grieving because that's what happens. And some people's path is singular, no? Like mm-hmm. they have one teacher, one path and they go that hasn't been for me. Like, and it's always like a heartbreak. It's like a death when some practice that I love yeah. that worked for me just, okay, I guess that's over now. So <laughs> yeah. It happens for me. For it, me does, it happens. For sure. it ha- and it doesn't, and it doesn't invalidate that practice. No. It, it, and, and, you know, especially with Ashtanga, because there's so much wrapped around it. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there is yeah. so much wrapped around it, and and um, so much of the stuff that I that I reflect back on that I'm like, wow, my relationship with physical pain, my relationship with this one, with that one. Like, it took a couple of years for me to stop projecting it onto the yoga. The yoga is mm-hmm. perfect. It's about my relationship with it and the way that I approached it, and 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 have to forgive myself. For, and yeah. forgive me. No, there is a part. There is a part that I do yeah. have to forgive myself. There was, you know, because there's something so beautiful about, especially the Eastern tradition of surrender. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But then there's other some parts of it, like, wait, I didn't do that because this guy said it's supposed to be this way, or you know, so much of like, you know, regurgitating the dogma that now everything changed anyway. All the yeah. stuff they're like, no, practice this day, don't do that way, don't do this, and I'm That's regurgitating right. that to other people now. But now they're all doing it that way. Yeah, and, I, and it's like, okay, but that's okay, fine. Fine. Yeah. That's yeah. that. Like that's that. I, I was the one who chose to listen at that time, the listening and the the observing and the the um uh all that was perfect. It felt yeah. right. No, it felt right. And and for me, like I have to go through all that yeah. to, to come to where I am. It's kind of like my path. I go to extremes to find my center. Totally. Yeah. I love yeah. I love that you bring up that like I, I think like when we, you know all of us sort of older, oldish students, you know, came into the tradition and Patabi Joyce was really like at the head of the tradition. And there was like such a a concrete like method and methodology and the dogma around it. And you always take Saturdays off and, you know, you don't practice on new moon and full moon. It It was was like formulaic. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was very, and 
we like took it on and lived it and breathed it. And like the whole, you know, I guess they'd say we drank the Kool-Aid, like all of it, you know? <laughs> and then when Patavi Joyce passed away and Chirac kind of took over and then things were like changing. And now we're practicing on Saturdays and not on Sundays. And because his kid has to go to school. Right. And, and I think that was sort of the beginning of like a lot of um, like shattering of illusions a little bit. Like the beginning of it, like things started to crack, you know, and then like for a lot of us, it just kind of kept cracking <laughs> and and then it started to fall away a little. And we're like, oh, well, now what are we left with? Like, what does this all mean? And Am I who even... is who is our teacher? And, and do we have a teacher? And like, Am how I do even... we practice? And when do we practice? Am I <laughs> what's even... going on? Am I even authorized? You know? Right. Oh, Am oh. I authorized? <laughs> Am I not authorized? <laughs> it, it's, it's perfect. It really, it's perfect. Yeah. Like we, we threw ourselves in. We chose to practice yoga. Right. Yeah. We, we threw ourselves in and, and, and get to really see who we are, what our reactions are to, to these things. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is always such a challenging thing. We, we see it happen all the time when practices and, and the, often the leaders or main figureheads of those practices fall from grace. Mm-hmm. Like that's when, that's when the yoga starts. Right. Yeah. You know, you throw yourself in and that you get what you ask for, right? Yeah. Praying, praying for like change, balance, guidance, whatever it is. And like, and then that shit comes in like super hard and it's, it's, um, we're seeing a lot of it these days. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, there's a lot of a lot these days. Everything's like, everybody's collective nervous system is just like frazzled. So yeah. all this other stuff coming in is, is made just, it's a, it's a confusing and tricky time but around the yoga world uh mm-hmm. you know it happens every every really it's been a it's been a, <laughs> i guess it's just been a bit of a shit storm this last yeah. uh these last few years and yeah. quite a few of the practice i mean my main practices ashtanga and kundalini their figureheads have uh yeah a serious fall from grace and Definitely. so there's always that that thing like can you separate the practice from the master and does mm-hmm. it still have validity and does it da, 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 and so that that's that's I mean, that's some deep practice figuring that shit out, especially yeah. for people who have gone through deeper trauma um, mm-hmm. than, than, than I certainly have. I feel, um, mm-hmm. I was actually, I, I mean, I have to say, I feel fortunate. It was, it was devastating those first couple of years when I wasn't teaching anymore. Mm-hmm. And like, even to have this, first, this first podcast I've ever done. And also, <laughs> um, thank you for inviting me. You're and a pro. Also, also <laughs> it took, it took, it's been five and a half years to have this conversation. Mm. The first couple of years, like I, I just, there was a few people from the community who I was still friends with, but I had just kind of distanced myself. I both like didn't want to see, but honestly, more than that, like I didn't want to be seen. Yeah, I, I, I really didn't. I, I, I was, it was such a, uh, it was such a, like, it was such an unbelievably like expansive and ecstatic experiences that I was having, like all these things I'd been studying and actually teaching and reading for 20 years, I'm actually experiencing. I'm having like these internal experiences of, of, of connectivity and expansion that really um, was so, I'm so felt so fortunate to have 20 years of, of sober yoga living to create a foundation for the life that I'd been living these last few years. Yeah. And, and so now I can make sense of it a little, a, a little bit for the moment, for the moment, yeah. it all crumble apart after this podcast. <laughs> and, but, um, uh, the point I was, I was make, so it was devastating, like to not be a part of the community and you know, people who I loved so many, it was one of the, first of all, it's one of the greatest things about the Shanga was like the community, like the people, yeah. the friends, the friendships. I mean, it's so, it's so amazing. 
Um, then when Patabi Joyce had his fall from grace and, and all that stuff started happening, um, and a few people were reaching out to me and I, I really like, I, 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 I was disconnected from it. And I don't mean that in some sort of like, I don't want to talk too bad. I realized like in my heart, like I had really like the cords were cut for me. Mm, mm-hmm. And, and then when it wasn't COVID, triggering, it, it, it really, it wasn't. And I felt bad. Like people, there was a few people calling, like who were calling me like for advice, like Barry, I don't know how to feel about this. And I was like, I don't know how to feel about it myself. And I, mm-hmm. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm more, I was more compassionate to, to some pe- to people who were, I mean, both the people who were experiencing trauma around it, but also a lot of my peers, teachers mm-hmm. who were more connected to the scene and how it was affecting them. Right. So, so yeah. but for me personally, like I really, like I, I kept doing like body checks. Like, are you just, are you full of shit? Or yeah. like, like, really? I was like, no, really. Like I, the, whatever I'd been happening, whatever I'd been experiencing the couple years before, like the, the cords were cut for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean in, in a good way. I don't mean that like a disconnecting or, or, yeah. or, 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 um, um, or just like hiding out. I, yeah, I really yeah, yeah. was like, I, the cords were cut, my emotional ties with it. Like I'd learned what I was supposed to learn. I experienced what I was supposed to experience. And, and I, I had so much love for all the people I met. And then when COVID came, and everybody had to go to like remote teaching. And I realized, oh my God, like I, I got out just in time. Yeah. <laughs> For all that, I was like, really, I, 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 had, I had kind of, you know, I, even if I had been, I, I would have been struggling, it would have been a different struggle, but had I been still been involved mm-hmm. and, immer- and immersed um, in teaching uh, when, when everything happened over the last five years, it would have been traumatizing for me as well. And I was like, oh my God, I got out. <laughs> And when I say I got out, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't want that to be misconstrued. Like, I, like, I, I, you know, I quit or, or, or I stopped loving it. I just, I saw my, I saw that my relationship with it had become really unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And I, I just like, it wasn't sincere. I was doing it for, I won't say all, I won't say, I won't say, I won't say I was doing it for all the wrong reasons, but I certainly wasn't doing it for all the right reasons. Anyway. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it was time for some different practices and, and incorporate mm-hmm. some different things. And, and also this, I, I, I really, I didn't see myself in a MISO room anymore. I, mm. I, I didn't want to get up at four o'clock in the morning. And I just mm. didn't, yeah. honestly, I just didn't want to do it anymore. My body was in pain. I just, mm-hmm. and, and, and one after teaching, I was teaching MISO for like 16 years. Wow. Like, what do you do after that? Go yeah. teach like Mondays and Wednesdays at, at <laughs> like a yoga school, the different group of people coming through each time. Yeah. Like the, after you've experienced the magic of teaching Mysore and the community that creates, yeah. what do you do? For, like, where do you go from there? Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know. It might, I still, it might come back. I don't know. Like, who knows? Who knows? Who, who knows? <laughs> but, but it, it really, I like, you know, I'd be, and I, I, I still, I'd love to get, you know, I'd mix, do some, actually, sometimes I think if I saw myself teaching again, um, I'd probably teach Kundalini Yoga in, yeah. so, in some form, in some <laughs> form. I, yeah. I just feel like I feel like that's a yoga that could pre- could be presented more in like a one-off situation. Right. Yeah, I like can get a group together, do a kriya, like mm-hmm. you know, to do to teach a shtanga to a mixed group of people. Or yeah, even to teach a, like vinyasa class, I find that I I I, I, really, I didn't I 
didn't teach that many yoga classes. Really, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I taught Mysore style. Yeah, yeah. I haven't taught many yoga classes. Yeah. You know, I'm sure I can come up. I would like, you know, chop up the primary and some intermediate and come up with some sequence. But it's just so hard as a teacher to watch a mixed group of people and see people struggling and you just know like, oh my God, that looks painful. And Maybe like how there's a shtanga or the Iyengar, a shtanga mix, you can come up with some kind of like a... A kundashka. Kundashka. I am, I am, I'll tell you that... A I have, I have no desire to create a yoga brand or practice. Let me tell you, none. I love what you said, though, about like the teaching and like holding, you know, like that being, um, you know, it really it just made me think about like transmitting energy and like being a channel and like a vessel. And I really feel like when you're holding a space and you're doing it well, that's what you're doing. You're just like this channel, this vessel that's, you know supporting facilitating like holding that space for the students in that space and and I think like your art also I mean I see the connection so clearly even though it seems like they're not connected they're so connected because that's what like as an artist that's what you're doing too you're just like channeling this energy and it's coming out and it's creating this beautiful thing and so it's not working with people as sort of the um the materials of the art (laughs) where in yoga you're kind of doing that especially in a Mysore room you know Mm. the people are like your art materials in a sense where yeah you're just channeling that energy and and beautiful things are happening but like with your art you're you're creating a you're working with actual materials I, I I like that metaphor, and, and uh, you know, and that's I, I, in, in, I think in, in many realms of of life, um, what we could do is 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 put put what we have out there to the best of our ability, and then let the person have the experience. And not mm-hmm. everybody. I'll say this: I'm going to share like I, of one of all the things, so many things that Eddie had shared with me. One thing he told me that like really stuck with me so much in teaching. He was like, one one of the most dangerous things we could do as a teacher. I don't know if he said the word dangerous, but we could do as a teacher is to project that the student is having the same experience we're having. Mm-hmm. Both in like physical, when they're doing Marichasana D, yeah. like we, they feel like we feel. Or their whole attitude, why they're in a room, what they're experiencing through yoga, internally, externally, all that stuff. And it was one of the, really one of the best kernels of wisdom, you know, because mm-hmm. we, especially as a teacher, as a human, to like, to, for us to think that somebody else is having the same experience that I am when I'm doing my practice, like we can't even you can't even just just show up like guide as best you can and let the person have their experience yeah and don't and don't both don't assume they're feeling a certain way and certainly don't tell them they're supposed to be feeling a certain way yeah yeah, yeah. It's and so so to make the metaphor like the art it's the same like I can put it out there um you know I, I could I could create the art and put it out there and then let the person have the experience not everybody loves it or gets it I mean <laughs> but for me I mean I gotta say it's like it, it's just it's it's such a I really like I've healed some of the ego show mm. what might look like people might look like this guy must be what's up that's a guy He's so full of himself like half his Instagram <laughs> is pictures of himself but but that's my heal like I'm trying to like break that because I am a I really it's an I'm like an such an ego show like it's it's such a, it is it's such and I really so I mean so much of that was in my practice like come on it's part of the Ashtanga thing like it really is you're in that room how could you not like you know you're doing we're doing these incredible aerial 
yeah. poses and how could you not be like, look at me, have a look at me moment. Oh my God. It's such a thing. It's such a tricky thing. And also the whole thing, like teacher, look at me, like all of it. It's so, it's so, but I mean, there's so many lessons in that, like to see that mm-hmm. part of ourselves through that and to create some healthy relationship with that. So the art's been great for me both like breaking that ego trip through making like a set, kind of having a sense of humor around it like mm-hmm. i'll overdo it yeah. and also those those art pieces where i put like multiple images of myself yeah i like, like that really besides just like you know i like that i like doing that style it really i am telling you like the last few years this is what i've been doing like trying to merge these different aspects of myself mm-hmm. and kind of like break the ego through the art and it's uh it's been super fun (laughs) (laughs) i want to sell i want to sell more though i'm really bad at like you know the art and marketing thing and i i it's also kind of new full-time and the world is so crazy i just everything like i i um it's it's new i'm trying to like create a barry brand and i'm just keep going out i've been doing these projects I know, well, I, I don't make much money from it, and uh, but I love it. Like, how can I? I can't do anything else. But I was, you know, taught yoga for twenty years. It wasn't like I was, you know, I've got to live. I live a pretty. I, I, I somehow be able to navigate. Like, I could also live super simple. I really I could live in a tent or a hut, like which I have. Not just like could I have <laughs> yeah. long periods of time, but um, I also do like I, I like nice clothes and I like travel and I like good food and you yeah. know I'm, somehow yeah. I'm able to like get get to get get what I need. The closet that you're in right now is larger yes. than most people's homes. That's for sure. It's my friend's, uh, my friend's walk-in closet. So I think what a lot of people think about with, with art, which is the hard, Ooh. the hard thing about being a yogi, because you, you want to be kind of self actualized and independent as a yogi and, and not dependent on an audience or, or wealth. There's that, there's that pretense, pretense, right. But with, but with art, there's an audience. And there's an acknowledgement that there's a marketplace for the art audience as well. One of the things I like thinking about with my audience is what do I want my audience to do and how do I want them to look? And I think of this like a 65-year-old tenured professor at an art college kind of hunched over looking at my painting and, and nodding slowly. It's like, okay, that's what I want my, my art to do. Right. But I think about your work. It's so to me, it's so much a part of a of a, an ecstatic dance community. And I think about guys like like Nick Evans or uh, or Ho Young, the spiritual ecstatic community is your audience. And it's them in ecstatic trance dance <laughs> as they look at your work. You know, that's and that seems to be like you're so completely unified between what you do what your life has been like up to this point and how it's manifesting in your work right now. (laughs) I have the Bali Bali references to the ecstatic dance and trance dance are are amazing. Um, um, Thank you. Thank you. I, 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 much of the, I was about to say every piece I make, but much of the art that I make, it really has everything that's led up to now in it Mm -hmm. and and i am able to express those experiences visually and there is certainly a uh sense of psychedelic ecstatic yogic cosmic fun and also an ability to 
to, to keep it grounded also. Like, I right. feel like that's one of my superpowers. Like I can navigate through this material world and also navigate somewhat mm. through the esoteric world. Mm-hmm. And I, I like to kind of bounce back and forth between those. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my art kind of captures that too. And I think the most part about it is like, it, it, what comes through is that I'm having fun. Right. I think people could see that, that, oh, that I'm totally. having fun. And I'm not like, I'm really not trying to impress anyone. I mean, if people like people like it, it's not everybody's style, but like I'm doing it for me and I'm doing it yeah. for fun and I want the viewer to enjoy it and get the joke. And I think I found a nice mix of, like you say, the, the ecstatic dance and uh, <laughs> and the mundane dance yeah. kind of, I mean, my, but maybe we'll go back to like my family, like my mom and my dad, like, like their sense of humor. Right. It's like, like, thank God. Like, I, I, I it's <laughs> without a doubt my greatest tool in life is is having a sense of humor around all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, Harmony, do you remember the song that we were listening to last night on the way home from your mom's place? Oh, the, we were listening to this like super psychedelic Japanese trance <laughs> fusion music, and then like right in the middle of it, I am banana. banana. And it was like, this is fucking hilarious. And then it'd be like, trans me, and then be like, edamami. We tried to shazam that track. Yeah. We shazammed it, but it was, it was like, like, no, it was too obscure yeah, to yeah. shazam. Too obscure. And it, I'm, it's just kind of reminding you right now of like your experience in Japan. And I wonder if how much of the of the Japanese scene impacted you, and how much of it did you feel like you could penetrate and be a part of it. Japan was a unbelievable experience for me. Um, I, I, I so it was. I mean, Japanese culture is difficult to to describe. To you know, I, I did immerse myself in it um, as much as I could. I mean, I was never there. Was this, I was never also trying to be accepted into Japanese society. It wasn't like it's something I was looking for. But Japanese society and Japan, well, Japan. Um, embraced me hmm. and um, well, I, when I when I went to Japan I, I was kind of dissatisfied in New York I felt like I'd kind of reached a, a, lo, a, a, a like as far as I could go in certain arenas of life yeah. and so I, I really went there for two months originally for Tokyo I got invited to teach at someone's school and then somebody else asked me to stay on for three months and then I got sponsored for a visa and I stayed for seven years and I, I had um flourished so much as a teacher as an artist as an entrepreneur and also i was like as a single man um <laughs> a, a, a lot of a, a lot of i i didn't realize how dissatisfied i was in new york until i went to japan mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. how i couldn't i couldn't figure it out i was really i'd, be, I'd become unhappy in new york mm-hmm. um and so the, the cult, I mean, and also the, the culture is so far from the one that I grew up on. I mean, I spent probably like 12 years of my life living in Japan and India, like the, two foreign planets. Right. Far, really, like, like from Brooklyn? Probably, yeah. probably the furthest away from the culture I know. Yeah. And, um, but I, I was um, the elegance of Japan, the formality of it, the, the beauty and, and elegance mm. of it. Um, really spoke to me and, and um, my aesthetic uh, sensibilities were always pleased and Japanese manga and, and samurai culture and, and all, all that really affected my art at the time. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so nah, Japan was amazing. <laughs> amazing. I, I really, I, I, uh, and their, their, and their approach towards the yoga was, was, I mean, they were dedicated. And, oh yeah. Uh, they were insane. Was, it was, They're you know, insanely it was ni- dedicated. It, it was, it was a nice place to be a, a Mysore teacher, uh, mm-hmm. at that time. And I was so, I mean, I traveled so much after the first year I started getting invited to teach workshops and like the first, I, I've never taught a workshop ever. Like, you know, right. you have to, so this, this is like another one of the things at that time of some of my main teachers were like, no, no workshops, uh, no, yeah, all that, yeah. that, Those that are stuff. The rules. And I had yeah. kind of wanted to, like, I'm not happy here. I'm like, you know, kind of like, you know, it wasn't the most glamorous thing being someone's assistant, someone's yeah. assistant yeah. In, 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 in New York and, 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 <laughs> and, and, and not being able to travel, not that there's not being able to travel, but that was the dialogue back then. Right? Yeah, for sure. And, um, yeah. And so that's the stuff I look back on now. Now a lot of those people are traveling. Yeah. And I was like, fuck it. I didn't, you know, I didn't travel because I listened to you, but that's not on them. That's on me. Right. Yeah, I had the choice. Right. I had the choice. That has, that, 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 and at that time, you're allowed to change your mind. Yeah. At, yeah. at that time, that was, that was the sense. That was the feeling. That was the sense. Um, so anyway, like year one, like for, when I got invited to teach a workshop somewhere, like, oh my God, yes, please. I had no <laughs> idea where I was going. I, yeah. I just went to some like countryside in Japan in the middle of the winter. And it was amazing. I had a great time. But yeah. after like by the second year, I started being like, wait, I'm not going to go there in the winter. I'll go. It's like, you know, I'll go there in the summer. I'll go where the, you know, in Japan, every prefecture is kind of known for something. I'll go there in the summer when the peaches are ripe. I'll go to Kyoto in the autumn when the leaves are changing. I'll go to Sapporo in January when they have the snow festival. So uh, then, then you start booking, start booking my, 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 my workshops yeah. To, yeah. to go. Yeah, that's good. Uh, that's at the, smart. The, the right place at the right time. <laughs> and like so hospitable. Like you just, I was just treated so, so yeah. well. And then once I started doing the t-shirt brand, I'd show up to the workshops with like two suitcases full of t-shirts. And I'd say, I was making more money selling t-shirts than yoga. Yeah, that's amazing. And, the, and then that kind of about seven years in, um, I was teaching in the countryside and I had just come back. I was traveling that summer. I went to Europe. It was probably the longest I'd ever spent outside of Japan. Um, mm-hmm. I was going for like two and a half months or three months, Not, but it wasn't, of course I was going to Mysore every year, but this was like the longest and kind of culturally furthest I'd ever been out of Japan in those seven years. And I came back and I went that next weekend to go teach a workshop and I was in the countryside and it was kind of countryside. Um, it was always like, it was like 98% women. And then yeah. I was after the class and sold all the t-shirts and we're eating at some uh, ramen place and everybody's asking me the same questions they ask me every time. Yeah. And I'm sitting there Are and I look. circumcised? Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they all knew already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> sorry. And I looked around and I was like, I'm done. I'm like, this uh, is it. This is it. Like, I've kind of realized I, I get lost the sincerity. I was kind of mm-hmm. traveling just to travel selling t-shirts to sell t-shirts. And I just had this moment. It was a rare moment because I'm like decision-making muscle for me is like, I did to think about things for months. And, but this was like one of these rare moments of like a big ticket decision in a moment. I knew it right Mm -hmm. then and there. I knew it. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm done. I want to go home. I want to go back to New York. I just want to go home. And, uh, and I left like shortly after that, like I announced, I, I knew it right away. I told my students right away and I, I yeah. left probably like two months after that. And it was another moment in my life. I probably had like four, four moments like this. One just now, which is it's scarier every time where I, I've walked away with, with literally nothing. 
Mm. Nothing. Yeah. I left Japan. I gave all my stuff away. I left with like two bags. Wow. And I left and I like went on the road for like a year before I went back to New York. And I've done this a few times in my life and I'm doing it right now. I swore I would never do it again. <laughs> and here I am, no home, like hardly any money. Yeah. <laughs> like I just, I, 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 like, I, I swore I wouldn't do this again. But this tower project, like this is, it, it, it just kind of like completely consumed me. Mm, I want to ask you about yes. your terror project. I just want to go yes. one. I just want to have one more question about yeah. Japan before yeah. we <laughs> dig into the terror project. Um, Cause I, I went to visit Japan. I think I was teaching for Tarek and I think I might've been teaching at Ken Horukuma's place, which is uh, yeah, awesome. I when you were there. Yeah. That, that was insane. I think you and I, we went to Yoyogi park in mm -hmm. Shibuya and we I went to go see the Japanese rockabilly scene mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. so insane and yeah. yet so incredibly japanese and it seemed to me on the outside looking in that what was incredibly japanese about it is the sense of appro cultural appropriation that they they take things like khan buddhism and turn it into zen they take korean uh wrestling they turn it into sumo uh flower arrangement from china they take um they take the Elvis and they make it Japanese. And there, <laughs> there's this like an obsessive search in Japanese culture of finding things that they, that they like and then making them or somehow fitting them into what being Japanese is like. There's even now like a burgeoning Latino cars, car culture in Japan. That's fucking crazy. You know, this, this they've like really picked up on this LA car scene is like, yeah, that's us. That's Japanese. We're going to take that. And then also to get back around to you, like that seems like a part of what you do is like you're, your whole life is like a sieve where you're looking at everything in it and you're just pulling the berry parts out of it. It's like, <laughs> yeah, this is what I'm going to make into a tarot book. This is what I'm going to make into a, uh, a pulp fiction novel about COVID. This is what I'm going to make it into a, and turn into a t-shirt or, or a, a journal. I mean, does that, does that jive with or resonate with your process? You know, it, it's it's funny you say. I, I hadn't thought about that. You know, the the, the I mean, of course, the Japanese, um, uh, um, the, how they they uh, when they get into something, they go full in, yeah. full in, whatever. Yeah. Like you know, it's full lifestyle choice, full. Yeah, you know, right. There's no half stepping, and I hadn't really thought about that that <laughs> aspect of myself as well and i yeah. and i do that and i i, I like you know I, I i if if something speaks to me i throw myself in completely right and, and 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 for better or worse and and when i had a little bit less awareness um i would abandon my identity for a scene because i thought that they were the cool kids, yeah. whatever that looked like. Mm -hmm. And cool kids mm -hmm. don't necessarily mean like Elvis Presley cool, whatever, whatever the scene was. I step into cool. something. Yeah. And, and all, all different stuff, different yeah. culture, really all like, you know, I've, I've diverse, diverse um, mm -hmm. scenarios, but they usually do get attracted to things that I think are, are cool. Mm -hmm. um, and I step, and like I say, in like my, my previously, I, I'd, ha I'd like abandoned my identity. I, re I re literally would abandon my identity because I thought that 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 was the direction I needed to be in, like mm -hmm. full costume change. 
Mm-hmm. And then, and then I'd like, then Yogi I'd get Bajan. to know, then I'd get to Puro know the, my, then I'd, yeah. exactly, then I'd get to know my way around a little bit. And then I'd be like, oh, they're not so much cooler, they're cooler, better, smarter, whatever it is, have more experience, more spiritual, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, then I'd be like, oh, well, I'm like, even I'm, I'm on the same level as these people. And I'd hang around a little bit more and you realize, oh my God, he's a bunch of fucking you know, this is like, get me out of here. And then, and, and then I'd be mad at myself mm. for abandoning my identity yeah. yet again. Mm-hmm. And so I like to think now I do that less and less. Mm. Um, and, um, and I could still participate as if I, I sometimes I, I, envision, I, I envision myself as I could see the old BBC, uh, specials where like the skinny old white guy gets led into the jungle by the hand <laughs> by the by the by the indigenous people yeah. and then like at fire at night and then, like, he's like eating a baboon's heart dancing around the fire with face paint yeah, yeah, and yeah, i feel yeah. like Richard i'm that Harris. guy yeah right? i feel like yeah. i'm that guy like everything i do like fully in there fully yeah. in there. and then i need to like step out but the thing is like okay i do that and but i have a healthier relationship with now i still like to do that Mm-hmm. But but I, I feel like there's I feel like it's now I look at it as a gift my willingness to to throw myself into something right. to extract the lesson mm-hmm. to appreciate the people who are in it. There's also something bittersweet around that in my travels. I'll like find some community of people and like holy shit, they're really doing something so amazing, so beautiful. Mm-hmm. They accept me in in into the community, but in my heart of hearts, I know like it's a beautiful community, but it's not mine. Yeah. It's like this bittersweetness aspect of it. Like, okay, I'm here. I'm going to participate. But ultimately, I know I'm going to leave. And so this whole, like, finding community within myself. And mm-hmm. so all these things that I've done, I am like to think I'm creating a healthier relationship with that. I still have a desire to experience and travel mm-hmm. and throw myself into things. Um, but it, and now I, I you know, I, I just, I do it. With, I, I, my self-acceptance level is like, like it's never been before. Really, mm-hmm. like, which has been such a great gift of these last few years. I don't know if that's just is something that comes with age or from all these crazy experiences I've been having. <laughs> but, but something like it, it take, it's taken me forever to be like, you know, I'm like, that I'm good with, with who I am and all these different diverse things that I like to do and the, the things that I was and the person mm-hmm. I am and the things that I'm making and kind of like giving less of a fuck about what people think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, yeah, an experience actually with, with around like yoga and, and some of the stuff that I was so I gave such a shit what everybody else was thinking about me. I cared yeah. so much. I felt so much shame around it, so totally. much shame and guilt around it. What they were thinking about my choices and my lifestyle, and and that I've kind of like left the fold. And who knows for anything from like oh poor Barry he's lost to like <laughs> all the all this. Who knows? Yeah. And then when I, then like when I'd sit with them and I'd finally meet them after, you know, it's when, when the time was right and I'd realize that we'd be talking and they'd be telling me like, they've been going through hell, like whatever <laughs> their li- like what their life was and they're dealing with this way. They could give a fuck what I've been doing. <laughs> In my mind, they're watching. Like, they uh, can care less. And if, and if they are watching, they're just like, I don't know. Like they're not thinking about me. And no. if they are, I mean, of course they, they are like a comfort, mm. but they, I have like, Best life. That's what <laughs> that's, it looks that's, like. That's like, my like why am I not doing that? Like, oh my god, it's so funny. It's so funny. Like the, the the projections and all the like the ego 
mania. It's so funny. It's, it's so funny. It's tricky though, because I mean, and you have kind of some personal experience, you know, with the um, Kundalini yoga and then the Ashtanga yoga. And like, I mean, these are very, I'm, I'm going to use the word <laughs> like kind of culty yoga groups, right? You like, think? Where, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, where like, I think as a practitioner, especially at the times when, when you were in them and we were in them, it was, it was really like your whole identity gets completely transformed. Yeah. And, and you, if I'm not taking moon days, am I an Ashtangi? Yeah. Who am I? Who's like it's Russell? It's difficult to, to really understand who you are. And it's, I mean, I think your experience is very interesting because even my experience, like, you know, getting divorced from Jeff was very much like, okay, I, I'm not happy in my life. I'm not happy in this. And yet there's this whole veneer going on about, you know, being a married, you take one wife for your whole life and, you know, the whole dogma around am divorce. I, am I going to get excommunicated and, if I get divorced? Yeah. And, and I was like, like you're cons- that's, that's I reasonable- was concerned. I was like, I might lose all of my friends and my community and not be seen as a yoga practitioner or teacher or like a bad yoga person. And, and you go through this process of like really looking at your choices and your life and, and then eventually having to come to a place where it's like, you know what, if I have to like work at chapters and, and lose all of my <laughs> friends, at least I'll be being true to who I am and, Fuck you know, yeah. not living a life for someone else. It, it's, it's, um, <laughs> br- breakups, navigating through um, romance and marriage, especially with children, uh, on its own is enough. To do it around and in, in in the middle of a community watching is uh, is a whole nother thing. And mm-hmm. that's I, so, I'm surrounded by so many people who um, desire community. Who use this word community a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't even, and, and many of them don't even know what it means. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And and so there's also there's a fine line between a clique, a community, and a cult. Yeah. You know, and and they they kind of uh, meld over into one another, and I mean that that's a big part of community is being seen mm-hmm. all the time, uh, f- for better or worse. And so so to navigate through that stuff, especially on spiritual community, especially I mean people, listen, the spiritual community might not exactly be a hotbed of mental health, anyway. <laughs> and and that's a that's a horrible, it's a huge generalization. But many of yeah. us, us, I will include myself. You know, yeah. many the people who come seeking are often coming from places of pain and trauma. Yeah. And um and then you know it's it's uh and and the people who are facilitating and teaching and guiding are not are going through their own process also. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and so I mean that that's a big part of the yoga and what we experience. But a lot of people, we are not alone in 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 stepping into a spiritual community and and realizing it's it's a little cultish and but that's that's and then that's where the forgive forgiveness begins. Yeah, because it's it's really it's it's not about it's not about the community. It's about me and my relationship with it, and uh, yeah. uh, and so that that's there's a, a lot of lessons to be learned from it. But I guess, but but I mean, I might be attracted to that kind of stuff. I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I desire I desire community. I do. Yeah. I desire community, and and um, 
and listen, most communities are, everything's a bit of a mess. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's, uh, there's, there's something to be learned and it's fun and beautiful people. And, uh, but that's, um, that's wild that, I mean, you've been in an arranged marriage and you've divorced. No, that. I was not that's in an, an arranged marriage. That's what you're a fucking he Sikh. fell in love. No, no it's a Kundalini. <laughs> they all get the arranged marriages. No. It's, uh, it uh, might as well be the same thing in Ashtanga. Like, I didn't marry <laughs> Sally because I was attracted to her. She was the only one there. It was like the issues in the Ashtanga community. Like, you got to marry somebody. And- R- R- Russell, Russell, you're projecting. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, all right. I, 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 uh, I mean, perhaps if you look in, in the cosmic sense of things, every marriage is arranged. Yeah. Uh, That's but good. as far That's as good my one. as far as my Kundalini, my marriage to my uh, to my wife of uh, during my Kundalini yoga days um we were married of our own volition weird yeah actually we, you we, were we also asked, married no, of your check, own check, volition check by the way i really we, don't we, we so we, we met we met yogi bhajan we we wanted to ask him during the summer solstice we wanted to ask him for his uh he would take audiences with a few people and we wanted to ask him if uh to bless our marriage and we also wow. wanted to open a yoga school in new york at the time so he would he would at this he was up on the on his uh, out in his cottage uh, out on the the front kind of uh, deck of the cottage lying on like a chaise lounge and he'd walk over and kneel and touch his feet and then we sat we both sat on the side of him and I was supposed to do the speaking and ask him to for you know bless our marriage and the, the school and I looked into his eyes and I swear to you literally like flames I saw flames <laughs> shooting out of his eyes I could not speak. I wow. could, and and my my she's elbowing me like and I'm just like my jaw my jaws open and I'm just staring and I'm like the guy rendered me numb like wow. I couldn't speak wow. right and she she's actually so she goes um she's elbowing me and I'm just like and she goes um Yogi Bhajan um we 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 want to get married and we like your blessings and he goes why do people always come to me for blessings bless yourselves Oh, amazing! Right? And he goes, cool. "You want my blessing here? Double blessings." And then she go, and then she said, "Um, and we're thinking about opening up a yoga school uh, in New York." And he goes, "Wait, mm. huh? Yeah, don't mm. do those two things together. That's for damn mm. sure. If there's anything we learned in our Ashtanga community, don't get married and open a school together." <laughs> No, it, it's uh, yeah, yeah. I uh, many, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Double blessings. Double blessings. Yeah. So it's tricky. So tell us about. I mean, you've mentioned your tarot book many times in our let's talk about it, please. That's what's happening right now. Where did this come from, and how do you use it? Um, I'm not. I'm going to talk about my deck, not tarot as a as a whole. Okay. But so, um, I I was uh. Like many of the greatest things in my life, it started off as, as a kind of a joke. Um, a friend had posted something on social media <laughs> and I saw it and I took some of my existing collages and just like made them into a card shape and put these really sarcastic comments on the bottom. Like the card for the lovers was break up with her. Um, <laughs> the card for the world, it was like, um, why even bother? Yeah, um, nice. So it was shit like that. Like, and then I, I posted like four, four of them on my Instagram and said, I'm going to make a nihilistic tarot deck. Yeah, and the response I got was ridiculous, yeah. and I was like, "Oh my god, maybe I should do this." And actually, safe to say, the woman who I was sharing a house with the last couple of years had like, and not just her, like quite a few people had always been like, "Barry, you should do a tarot deck." Um, it seemed way too ambitious, though. Um, and so I started doing that. 
I was like, I'll make a few. I'll make like 10 or 15 cards. And I just was grabbing old stuff, making them in a card shape and coming up with these sarcastic comments. <laughs> three days, three days into that process, the hard drive on my computer completely blew out. Oh, and, and I blew my back out. Not just my back, I blew my sacrum. Like uh, okay, you can't hardcore. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, um, maybe I should reassess this project and my attitude towards it. Huh. And I'm kind of like, I'm fucking around in the spirit world without doing any proper preparation. I didn't ask for permission, didn't check in. I'm just like playing in a space that you probably shouldn't be playing around with. So I took a step back and I, I did, you know, did what I need to do in my meditations and yeah. my, my, my rituals and reapproach the situation with more sincerity. And it just like, I, I get absorbed when I do my work, but this was something different. Like I throw myself in, this just grabbed me. And I've right. heard artists use the word like channeled through and I kind of like yeah, use that stuff, yeah, but I have yeah. to say like, I, I, I don't know what happened. It took me about six or seven months and I, I took no other work. I was working from morning till night, obsessed with this project. Wow. And it just like came out of me. And then um, about two and a half months ago, I, I, I always assumed like that the, the, the art, the graphics were going to be enough. And I was going to collaborate with or have somebody, I was going to have Spiros, my old collaborative partner yeah. from Gently Down. I was, gonna have Spiros, I was going to have Spiros do the commentary on it because, I mean, who else, like a wizard right. with the occult and, wizard, and yeah. all of that. So we went, we met in, in San Francisco in Sonoma County and we did an ayahuasca ceremony around the project. Like, okay. let's sit, let's do this. Let's see what kind of vision comes up. Let's see what we're supposed to do. And I was already like 90% done with the graphics. And what came through in that, in that weekend was that I need to do the graphic. I need to do the commentary myself. Uh, it was to the first project was too personal. And I started to realize that each one, the, the, the tarot has four different suits, cups, wands, swords, and pentacles. Yeah. That each one of the suits represented one of the different main chapters in my life. Yeah. Growing, up in, growing up in New York, to 20 plus years of practicing and teaching yoga, um, my seven years living in Japan, and what's happening now, this kind of like psychedelic renaissance COVID moment of life. Yeah, and, <laughs> amazing. And the graphics, the graphics had already suited that. I didn't even realize that. Wow. And so I use just the, the pentacles are disco balls with a New York background. Yeah. The um the wands are flying saucers, and I'd already used Spiros as the king of wands. And I was yeah. like the path of like that whole suit is like walking a path. Um the the cups are jellyfish. Oh, and cool. it had a it already had like this Asian aesthetic. Yeah. And then the wow. um swords are lightsabers, like Star Wars lightsabers. Nice. Which is and, the, the um, Jedi, the yogi. The, yeah. the whole so now they actually that's like the now that's the, the now, the, the oh, now like in the mind and like the, the kind of esoteric realms and and the yeah. uh conscious aspect of the of the mind and so I, it completely absorbed me and and i've been looking to get out of la i couldn't imagine why i was like in venice beach i really didn't like it and i was like what do i can't it's not like me to be in a place that i don't really love but it, now in, in retrospect i realized i was there to like really do all these to do all these projects so I'm in Mexico now. I came here because I, I love the, I like the fabricating and the printing process here. Mm -hmm. And it's also kind of where my journey began six mm -hmm. years yeah, ago that's right. of all yeah. this. Yeah. And so kind of re returning to the source and I launched a Kickstarter campaign 
yeah, um, that we contributed 17, to. 17 days ago. Thank you, Russell. Thank you. And I'm thank try- you, Harmony. I know. I want to know the contributors. what he contributed. And, it's not and, her business. And, uh, <laughs> I'm like, get the top one. Get the top one. Yeah, that was like $15,000, I think, was the option. And I appreciate everyone's uh, support. It feels really good to like get supported in our project. It's humbling to like ask. Yeah for, for yeah. support in something like this and to reach out and like kind of put myself out there. Yeah. So the, the, the Kickstarter campaign ends December 11th. Yeah. Right. So you have a few days so after you listen to this your, your to look into have... the Kickstarter and, and contribute. And mm-hmm. uh, the options for contribution That's... are phenomenal. And you can get a, yeah. a tarot reading with you, right? And a yeah, deck. Yeah, so... So, so mm. the, the uh, there's the deck. I did a series of uh, rituals and ceremonies on altars down in Oaxaca during Dia de los yeah, Muertos, a very powerful time in Mexico. Mm-hmm. So that's where I activated the project and those limited edition decks signed and numbered with a signed and numbered book. I wrote a commentary book. On, it's going to be a nice package. It's really mm-hmm. it's it's coming together. It's like uh, it's going to be quality a quality um item to have in one's home and i've been doing readings for people and the cards they're not just like aesthetically i find them aesthetically pleasing but they they, they work it's a real tarot deck i mean i really i threw everything into this like everything i have like yeah. physically esoteric like really i just threw everything in it and i'm uh, super proud and i reached the funding goal already yeah um, and so now we're shooting for the stretch goal Fantastic. Yeah, that's what we want. We want the stretch so, yeah. goal. No, we want the stretch goal. So I was able to, the, the, I was actually, it was a good thing. I was going to start with $10,000 and I decided to do $20,000. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it's, you know. <laughs> and, and so, you know, and it's in the lull now. Like there's a huge peak at the beginning and then yeah. there's a lull and then hopefully there's like a, a final surge. Yeah. And uh, so I'm hoping for the final surge. There will be. There and, will be. There no, I think so. I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. And, uh, but it just feels good. Like, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing what I love. And yeah. and really, I mean, are, are the, the, these things, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, so this is like so many of the things that I, when I was in my puritanical yoga years, um, things that I scoffed at mm. around other people's practices, and I'm not going to be too specific. Ah, eh, fuck it. Um, <laughs> things, things, things around this word's thrown out so much around sensuality tantra right. um psychedelics this was like the stuff that started happening yeah, and yeah, i'm just yeah. like that's a slippery slope and i was right. like uh-uh uh-uh no my way is the way right because I, was, yeah. because I was like 12-step aa sober and like and that that was like that was my stuff that had like taken yeah. me down back mm-hmm. then and i was like uh-uh man uh-uh you guys are losing the way meanwhile all these so many of these things i scoffed at then are like have have really benefited me a lot now especially like art plants yoga dance like love making wow yeah, yeah. all all these things all yeah. these things. things like really yeah. there's there's so much uh um there's so many amazing tools out there and so i always need to be careful like what i laugh at or you know th- this is this is a thing about uh, one of the things I, I i you know and it was one of the reasons i left kundalini yoga i felt like they were so condescending to people who weren't practicing mm-hmm. and yet i realized like i was so condescending I, I, like that whole like <laughs> punk rock cool kid stuff you know although yeah. it was great yeah it is great it is great to feel that to feel that way <laughs> like you know we just thought we were such i thought i was such the cool kid and i, I all my teachers are the best and it was like such a such an ego trip 
Yeah. And it's nice to feel that way, but it's just like so, so high schooly. You can't sit with us kind of attitude. Yeah. And I really like, I really, and out of, and it's a good thing. When I moved back to New York after Japan, I got fell on my face. I thought mm. I was going to go back to New York and kill it. I know everybody in New York, fashion, art, nightlife. I was doing so well in Japan. I'm going to come back to New York, teaching workshops, T-shirts, art, nothing. I felt flat on my face. Wow. I, did, I did one show. Eddie let me use the school. I did a show, and the show went great. I sold all the art. People came. It was a fantastic weekend, but I knew. I knew like that was it. It was this weekend. And nothing's happening for me in New York. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, what now? And then I ended up getting to, so I got invited. I was miserable in New York. I was like, winter was coming. Somehow mm -hmm. Eddie got me teaching at the school again when I swore. I swore <laughs> I wasn't going to do it. Somehow I'm like, wait, I'm teaching. And he's yelling at me like I'm doing everything wrong. Yeah. And I got invited to Mexico to teach, to, to start a MISO program in Mexico. And I came and I, when I showed up, I'm like, wait, why did you invite me here? Like, this is the worst place that with a specific place i was in tulum it yeah. was like new year's and christmas you want me to like 6 30 in the morning and tulum, nobody's shit we were there in tulum coming. At the same time barry yeah nobody <laughs> remember nobody's that? coming nobody I was, was coming getting, i was getting divorced in tulum when you were there in tulum <laughs> yeah we all got our ass kicked in. oh my god that was a bad weekend i was having yeah, the worst yeah. fucking week and i was like i i was like at this some coconut stand in tulum I saw a fucking poster flyer with Barry's face. And I was like, shit, Barry's here. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. No, I, a, yeah, I was, I was, that was a bad, bad. Yeah, we all, I got, we all got our ass, asses handed to us. <laughs> but that's also why I had like this, I stuck around and I really like another transformation. I ended up like after like about three weeks, I told the people who had brought me down. I'm like, listen, I'm sorry. Like, this is just ridiculous. I don't even know why I'm waking up every morning. No one's coming. Yeah. Also, like, it's really sick, really, like, mm -hmm. Mexico stomach, yeah. like, really, mm -hmm. really sick. And I was like, but I got no plan B, so I don't know. Could I still stay here? I'd rented my house, my apartment in Brooklyn, and yeah. I was like, I just stuck around. And then I stuck around for, like, six months. I lived with this community that, really, I learned so much from. I was like, what am I doing with these hippies? Meanwhile, they were, like, really well-trained people in, in arts, music, medicine, like, really, like um, – um, holders of the of the culture and carriers of the traditions, and I learned so much, so much from them. Really changed my life. Yeah. Wow! Wow! I, I'm sorry. To, I wanted to bring it back to the tarot deck for one for a minute. My yes. mom um, was a you know converted to Judaism, and um, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. And then yeah. she was really like hard into Kabbalah and into. Um, uh, Jewish mysticism, and and she also had this tarot deck, and she took it real seriously. She it, it was always underneath her pillow because needed to absorb her energy, and so it was very personal for her. And the readings that that she got from that tarot deck were, you know, phenomenal. And my dad made paintings of that deck as well. And uh, um, do you remember? Do you remember what deck it was? Uh, I don't remember the name of it, but it's it's a it's a it's the classic uh, like medieval imagery. Medieval, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like the, probably the Rider weight deck. It's called. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, and I just wanted to know if 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 Jewish mysticism informed the work. Does it inform you, or, or you know how how can you imbue the deck with with that juice? Is what I mean. So, um, 
I, I've I've come to terms with my Judaism, but I'm really not connected with with the practices. And I did yeah. I did go to study. I, I did try. I did study Kabbalah in New York a oh, few yeah, years nice. ago, and 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 I I did not resonate with it. And then, okay. I, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll be the as much as I say I'm like a recovering Jew, and and, uh, <laughs> and I've come to terms with it. I, I mean, I grew up. I was really like one of the only Jew, I was the only Jewish guy hanging out with all these Italian kids when I was growing oh, up. So I was dealing weird, with a lot yeah. of that stuff. So it took yeah. years to like come to terms with it, and. Um, so I really did try to connect with the mysticism and study Kabbalah. And there was a few things about the teachings. Maybe it was the teacher at the time that just didn't resonate with me. So that's personally yeah. my, there's not a Kabbalic sensibility when I was making this deck. Okay. Although one of the beauties about the, what a thing I love about the, about the, the tarot after so many different studies and things is no dogma, at least right. for me. There's like, it's beyond, beyond yeah. dogma, beyond religion. It really speaks to our collective conscious, subconscious, mythological experience in life. Like the day-to-day -day undeniable things that we all experience. Yeah. Also, um, there are many people who, um, there is a Kabbalist, Kabbalistic aspect to the tarot. The 22 major arcanas have to do with like the 22, I think there's 22 Kabbalic Kabbalistic symbols. Am I making that up? I don't know. Maybe we can get verification on that. Somebody said that told me about that recently. But we'll the, put the, it the in thing the show is, notes. like, 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 um, like yoga, the tarot is a bit malleable, right? right. And, and and it could fit. So there's some people who could look at at, at the tarot from a completely astrological point of view. Right. Some people could look at it from a completely um, numerological point of view. Yeah. Some people could look at it kabbalistic. Some people could. So there's you know. That's the beauty of something like yoga or music or a lot of mm -hmm. different modalities of art, spirituality, whatever you're coming to it with, mm. you could bring that with it and find it, right? Like, you know, the different paths of yeah. yoga. If you're a musician and you start doing yoga, you're going to start, you know, you want to chant and do kirtans. Yeah, so whatever exactly. it is. So, so, yeah. so the, the tarot, there is a lot of different aspects to it. Um, but for me personally, I, I brought, you know, my, what, what my, my stuff, New York mm -hmm. street, art, yoga, yeah. travel, medicine, dance, what do I do? Ecstatic, ecstatic dance. Yeah, that's ecstatic, right. Ecstatic, that's right. ecstatic, yeah. ecstatic dance. Yeah. 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 So, so I, I brought, that's the beauty of it. Like, you know, if you made a deck, if you made a deck, you would bring what yeah. you got. To yeah. It. yeah. You know, I, I did use the classic, that Rider weight template. Um, yeah. when I was designing the cards, that is the, the map that I used and it's a classic 78 card deck. Right, seventy-eight cards. That's a lot. That's oh amazing. Oh my god! No, well, it's like isn't, ridiculous. Isn't yours seventy-eight? Yeah, minus seventy-eight. Minus seventy-eight. I did. Like I did. Like no, it's. It's. I can't believe. Well, I, we were sitting thought, right yeah. here in the same exact spot. We're sitting here with our big fucking red couch, and Harmony just like pulled her phone <laughs> yeah. over to me. I think we might have been in the middle of an of an interview with some Swedish person. I think I don't he's know. making this up. And um, <laughs> she shows me her phone, and it's and we were in bed. <laughs> No. Yeah, we were. Yeah, that's probably right. And then uh, <laughs> she shows me the phone, and it's is Barry's tarot Barry's deck tarot on Instagram. Deck. And then I saw fucking Spiros is the king. I was like, oh, I yes. want, I want to be yes. a king. And yes, and I like so, it lit my fucking hair on fire, which I think is also yeah. one of the cards. Um, but <laughs> but it was just like it was fucking phenomenal to see. It was like, oh, this is Barry. His whole life is completely unified and yoked, and he's all there. That's incredible. And, so it's, it's, uh, and well, to, to get to, to that point, um, you could be the king. So um, one of <laughs> yes. the main one of the main things I've been doing the last 
couple the last few years my my main work has been people commission me to do portraits yeah send me a picture of themselves and i do these psychedelic digital portraits and i'll ask them like what's your thing what are you into whatever it is animals vegetable mineral whatever kind of stuff Mm -hmm. And and i do that and so i've implemented that into this project where if you buy a deck and you resonate with one of the cards or you two want to be the king and queen of cups um within the the kickstarter campaign if you buy a deck and the add-ons you could it's called enter the deck and you could enter the deck and you could you'll send me a picture and then i'll make custom cards i send you the, the regular deck and then separately i'll send you the card or cards that that we design for you and in your deck in your house you will be the the full the full king i don't, I don't, I don't know why that queen. came up uh, no uh, it's awesome the king How... queen high priestess uh, do you do you get like a a, uh, a large frame tarot picture and also like a small deck that you hold no, for, for that, like the enter the deck part part of it, if somebody does that, is that what you're Well, I just want to know uh, if, if like, the, is the deck, like how big is it? Is it a giant? The, 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 no, the, the deck, no, the deck is, is um, three and a half inches by a five and a half inches. Okay, cool. So it's big, it's, right. it's oversized. It's bigger yeah, than yeah. a regular deck of playing cards. Usually I think a, a standard is like 275 by 475. So no, it's it's chunky. I made it on yeah. paper. Like it's, it's, nice. it's, uh, it's, uh, it feels good in your hand. It's super solid, and the the book, the box, everything's gonna be like uh, spot on. I'm so I, fucking, I, I believe. I believe. I'm so fucking yeah. excited for you, Barry. Yeah, like, me, it really, me too. It's really yeah. amazing when you like we get to know people, and then like 20 years goes by, and you see like where the life what happened to them. I was like, this is phenomenal. Well, I remember it was my birthday in Mysore one year, and I mm-hmm. said to you that all I wanted was you to make me a birthday card. And you did. Ah. I'm keeping. I'm keeping it. Is that it's gonna be? One, it's gonna is, be worth a lot. Is that one the one day. with Barry's teeth on no, your then, surger, surgical scar? A few years later. No, that was the next year. I had my appendix <laughs> uh-huh. taken out. And remember, uh-huh. I had those staples um, uh-huh. in this area where they did the surgery. You uh-huh. sent me a nice email and and you know said sorry that you had to have your appendix out in my sore. And I said, oh, thanks. That's so nice, Barry. And you said, send me a picture of your, your scar. scar. And I said, <laughs> okay. So I took a picture and it was like fresh because it was like a day or two after <laughs> that surgery and it was all stapled together. And then you took the photo that I sent and I wasn't expecting this at all. You <laughs> cut out the scar with the staples and uh-huh. you put it into a portrait of yourself and made that your mouth, <laughs> like Hannibal Lecter style. Oh, no. <laughs> and send uh-huh. it to me. I and I kept so... showing it to everyone. They're all creeped out. They're I like, was That's so everything. jealous when I saw that picture. I was yeah, like, oh, I'm man. having some flashbacks. And oh. I'll, I'll tell you that, that, like, you know, really, those days were just so magical. And I saw, I ran, and this is already like, and time's so relative now, these last few years. I guess it must have been like three, four years ago. I was in Bali and I saw uh, Mark Roberts and Matt Craig's. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, and we were hanging, and Matt and I had spent a good time amount of time over the years. But Mark and I were just really, like, really, just like in passing. Right. And we were sitting, and we were reminiscing, and really, like one of the, the like at the bottom of so much of it, like it's the relationships and friendships we made back then. Like that is yeah. one of the just one of the best gifts. So, so you know, there was there was a cultish aspect to it, but there was community too, like those yeah. friendships, and yeah. The, the intimacy of that time. There was something about Mysore just the intimacy and having that free time to chill and get to know people and the, everybody's so like wide open from 
days of practice. Yeah, it was that uh, really during that together. Nah, really, yeah. man. It's it's about those the friendships and the, yeah. the the not not just, but I mean, you know, the fact that we could. I know we still have each other to, to bounce all that stuff back on and make sense of it too. Yeah. It's really like part of it is. I mean, we are a little bit traumatized. Right? Exactly. Uh, really, yeah. I mean, there, there was an aspect of it, like, wait, what happened? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean, that that's real in a lot. I mean, there's a lot more discussion about it going on out there in the community right now. I between, I mean, I know Spears and Erica were really trying to facilitate um, yeah. people who were who were going through it at a, at a yeah. deeper level. Yeah, those healing. And, uh, weekends, yes, I'm, yeah. I'm like I, I'm, I feel I feel really fortunate. Like I I kind of. Uh, and it's one of those moments also like when at the moment when i'm in it it's like it, when one is in it it's so confusing and so painful but on when I'm, upon uh reflection i was like oh my god lucky me like fucking yeah. like, it was like well played barry you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but you know it's also no no i don't miss it i don't i was gonna say i miss it it was perfect then i don't i don't um i i'm curious to see what happens like if i started teaching again and i what what my um, I think my attitude would be quite different. My approach would be quite mm -hmm. different. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like I have a lot more to offer now, even than I, yeah, I did yeah, before. Yeah. Uh, and so, so let's see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. You look fit as fuck, man. Are you practicing? What are you doing? Mm, it comes in fits and starts. It's really hard when I'm on the road. I haven't been able to find the discipline here in Mexico. Yeah, and yeah. really. And and and, and, and it, the thing that that like behooves. I don't know. If behooves me. Like, like I, I know. It is the best thing I could do for myself. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, it is yeah, the yeah. best still, thing I could do for myself. Still like today. a steady, a steady, even like a brief asana practice and sitting yeah. and meditating. There is nothing better in the world for me. And yeah, yet, absolutely. And yeah. When you can yet, do it. I, when maybe. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, and uh, not a real I have to say when I had a really solid run when I was in when I was in Venice for the, the that time. Like yeah. not a, a really uh not my practice was uh I don't I don't uh, I, I, I was not say I can't, but I don't practice the way I used to. Like I, I do, like a modified primary and a few yeah. few back bends, and it feels right. so good, exactly. yeah. so good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah isn't yeah. that isn't that like the sweet thing? You know, it's it's sort of like you can you can do a lot less and like enjoy it a lot more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, my relationship with it, I I I I, I have just like a pain free practice, right? Pain -free. Exactly. And, yeah. No. 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 Like yeah, I don't yeah, even yeah. come close to anything that's. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I don't, I don't need that. No. Right. Now there no. was something wonderful about it then. I mean, I didn't, I didn't start until I was, I started Ashtanga when I was 35 or 36. Like Lena. Yeah, amazing. I started yeah. at that. And then like within, I don't remember the time frame, but like I barreled through, but I mean, I showed up every day, every yeah. day. I practiced every day and I was like assertive, aggressive. I wanted more. I wanted mm -hmm. to impress. I wanted to move on. I wanted to teach. I wanted to get certified or well, no, I wanted to get authorized. And then <laughs> whatever, I figured, you know, all that. Yeah. And it, happened, it happened. It happened. Well, I, mean, I was fortunate. Like it happened. Like my, my process was quite accelerated. Yeah. You know, within yeah. a short period of time, Eddie asked me to, to, assist and with short period of time i was in mysore i got authorized mm -hmm. i think on my second trip yeah yeah i remember yeah, yeah, i, remember yeah. I was fucking furious again yeah no extra, intimidated extra. and well, you know, jealous you, as always well, you know what yeah. I, I had had i had had a relationship <laughs> with them because they were coming to new york and eddie was hosting and, and so oh, i yeah. got to spend a, i got to spend a lot of time with mm -hmm. him outside of mysore so yeah. although it was my second trip there i think he yeah, we, yeah you've yeah, known yeah. me a bit already. Yeah, it he helps. liked me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. you're likable. It was, 
It's well deserved. Well deserved. Yeah. All the same. We I, all I, fo- like, I, follow, uh, I followed through. I followed through. I, I continued showing up. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And they, no, no, everybody hated me. <laughs> Sherrod Fuck told it. him no. Sherrod yeah. said no. Yeah, Sherrod of course. told him not to authorize me. Sherrod yeah. said no. It's only a second trip. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah. And I'm looking over. They were both sitting. They used to have the, the side-by-side desks. Yeah. And I'm looking over Sherrod. And I'm like, You're like, Dude. shut up. He said yes. Like, why are you being a dick? And then Guruji like, was like, uh, thinking about it. And then yeah. I went back. Then that afternoon, then um, the next day or so, Sherrod said, "You come to the house today." And I came to the house in the afternoon, and uh, and they were, we were sitting in the living room upstairs. And Sherrod goes, uh, "Guruji will authorize you." Oh, and and nice. Guruji, Guruji looked over at me from he was sitting on his chair, and Guruji looked at me, gave me this head nod, like. I'm still the boss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with yeah, all, I, listen, I know it's hard. I know it's hard for people. I, we should acknowledge. I know it's hard for people. And like, I, I imagine anybody's listening to your podcast. Like, maybe not, but I know it's hard for a lot of people. Like, to, they don't. Like, there was a time where people were like, no, take the picture down. Don't talk about him. Don't this anytime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any, any praise for him like impedes my ability to heal. Right. But, um, but. No, I'm sorry. Those 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 memories were were real and uh, yeah. uh, really formed a lot of who I was at that time. And and I'm dealing with my own trauma around it <laughs> too. You know, we, we all we all are. We all are yeah. to different to different to different degrees. Yeah. But as as uh, as Spiro has said to us, like we're living in a post guru community. That's where we are, and we're all dealing yeah, yeah. with it in our own way and and experiencing and remembering what we did to survive at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we were all everybody going through that process, and we were all yeah. like, we were just so driven. Yeah, there's yeah. such an underlying assertiveness that's just built into that system. Yeah, and really. Mm-hmm. I, and I have to say, so when I, I remember when I went to Japan, and that when I went to my first workshop, and I looked around at the students, they were really like more like more than housewives, like aunties. Like, this mm-hmm. is like Jap- <laughs> Japanese countryside. <laughs> Like middle ageish, these weren't kids, yeah. and I'm like, oh, this will be so interesting. I can't wait to see the way they practice. Probably like you know, like soft women. Forget it, dude. Forget <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, forget it. They were going Driven. for it. The yeah, handstands. Like forget it. And I was like, oh my god, it's just it's built into the yoga. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. You, you you can take the most passive person and you put them on a mat and show them the primary series, and they they like they will tear shit up exactly <laughs> it's yeah. really it's uh, it's fascinating it's really it's 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 kind of like built into the fabric of it yeah yeah, yeah which is which is which in itself is like one of the best teachers like to, to yeah. how, how are you gonna navigate through that you know that whole like force forcing with softness and all that i mean that's that's yoga yeah, it's 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 built into it somehow. It's really the best, <laughs> and that's and that's one of the best. That's one of the best teachers, no? And yeah. you know, how we how we deal with that, and yeah, and, and that's the beauty. There's something. Hey, listen, there's something to that too. There's something yeah. to it. There is like delicious. Um, yeah, there's something to it. Like, oof, but when you're in it, it's just full power, and you're flying around, and yeah. sweating, and flying, and jumping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. And you feel so empowered. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. And you're eating good and you're sleeping good and you're surrounded by same minded people. Mm-hmm. Like you're just, it's like, it's, 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 
It's yeah. not not a, it's not a terrible thing. It's no. not a terrible thing. Yeah. My friend, uh, I don't know if you know him, Colin Zach. He was in my yeah, story. sure, sure. Yeah. I know Colin. Yeah. So yeah. he uh, he kind of stopped practicing for a while, and then he started up again, and and he calls me up and he says, you know, Harmony, this Ashtanga yoga it makes you like a fucking superhero. <laughs> it's so crazy. It's like it's just like drugs. You feel like you're invincible. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> It, it, it is it is empowering it is yeah. empowering you know and, and and like to 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 um to to gain the build the relationship with a posture that you're challenged by oh yeah. yeah finally start to get it and then to ease into it then like to get the mastery and then yeah. to be able to relax into it mm -hmm. like, what a process that's amazing also to watch to watch people go through that also yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it's something and yeah. then letting it all go is also a process <laughs> no 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 doubt no yeah. no, no doubt no doubt and, yeah. and then and even like the relationship with that like am i abandoning am i letting go am i quitting like you know who am i yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. who am i yeah, it takes us back to that like quintessential question, right? All the time, like, who yeah, am no, it's, I? It's a, no, it's it's yeah. beautiful. I mean, it's yoga, really. I mm -hmm. feel like the people who are not just us in an ashtanga, but people you throw yourself in and you really like practice yoga, and you, you know, it, it it takes a lot of different forms. It doesn't look the same for everyone, and mm -hmm. and and but you throw yourself in and you get like spun around and and hopefully land on your feet. Mm -hmm. and that's that's mm -hmm. that's and, and then you get spun around again yeah yeah it's part of it i mean it's uh everybody thinks it's going to be so like soft and easy and mushy and fluffy i mean for some people it is maybe for some people it is yeah um some of us need to get like uh get our asses handed to us. fired yeah. fired and heated up and hammered and bent up and reshaped and refired and all yeah. That. yeah 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 well, thank you so much for coming on thank our podcast. It's so nice it's to connect blessing. with you. And thanks for having me. You guys look fantastic. No, 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 you guys haven't changed. It's been uh, we know each other twenty plus years. That's right. Yeah, well, I, know Russell, I think I know Russell a little longer, right? Because yeah. Russell was in New York. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You're in New York. Yeah. 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 My first class was was at Russell's. Yeah. yeah that was my yeah. first Meister class. Yeah. 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 yeah, you look great too, Barry. You do. And I feel you good. Exactly everyone can, can uh, find your Kickstarter. We'll put it in the show notes online, please, but it's also please. in your Instagram bio. What's your Instagram? GBSK? GBSK, yeah. which right. stands for Guru, Guru Banda Singh Khalsa. That's yes. right. Your uh, your Kundalini name. So I'll tell you, uh, to go back to the, like the punk stuff, <laughs> because, Spir because Spiros and I would started doing some art projects. Um, yeah. In the early 2000s, and the the, the tea stall is tea stall, yeah. yeah. So the tea stall at at Eddie's school was kind of like our hang was our hangout. That was yeah. like center camp, and we started doing some art projects, and we were doing a little like subversive stuff. It was early days of the net, but we were web, but we were also doing some like street art stuff. And not everything was it great to like for it to come back to the tea stall. Right. So we had to we had to create like this some some like nom de plumes or nom de gloire yeah. um, for the street art project. So he just used to use this this S in brackets, right. which was short for Spiros, but also Soul Jerky, his other thing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I came up with and I came up with GBSK. So that's we were doing our project under the name Soul Jerky, and he was S and I was GBSK. Yeah. And the, the joke was always like Eddie was like we, we should start a punk band and call it GBSK. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and so yeah. GBSK, that just became my moniker. That became the t-shirt brand. That's um, 
you know, all that, that, that was my, that was my, uh, odd thing. And then, you know, Spiros and I, uh, but we'll do Spiros and I are going to do a project again soon. We, you know, we, we did the gently down yeah, t-shirt projects yeah. and, and that's why we were going to do the tower project together. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you G- for the support. Yeah. I'm ready GBSK. for a new, I'm ready for a new t-shirt now. Mine's been yeah, we, we, well we, worn. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to figure out where to, we don't want to go back to India and the Ganges no. again. No, no, no we're we dipped out, each one dipped yeah. in the Ganges. GBSK. Yeah. Somewhere in the Amazon. <laughs> Possibly, no, we, we were thinking even in, somewhere in the Americas, but uh, somewhere good, or, or yeah, we'll come up with somewhere something. Good. Yeah, somewhere good, good, somewhere, somewhere where we won't get uh, typhoid and malaria. Yeah, and, fucking yeah. hell. GBSK yeah. live at CBGB's, it kind of it works really well. Yeah, I know, that was, that was, yeah, right. All right, guys, okay, right, lots of love, lots of love. Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony. With me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Standing in eternity's shadow Watching the breaking waves There's a heart